Welcome to the Last Three Rows of Horror podcast. We're back again. Today we are continuing our discussion on the Friday the 13th film series slash franchise. And today we're going to cover parts four through six, as I like, as we like to call it, the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. So uh, sit back and relax. Thanks for uh, subscribing on Spotify and liking us on Instagram. And uh, take it away, Sam. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, we also got Sal hanging out with us here. Ah! That's Jason's <laughs> victim. No, that's an imitation of my northern yak in the southern region. <laughs> You watching the Discovery Channel this weekend? Or? Northern Exposure? Yeah, a northern yak from the southern region. Remember that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, from, he's from the deep south. The deep south. <laughs> you guys uh, saw uh, Don't Breathe 2 this weekend, didn't you? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. How'd you like it? Great slash. Would you call it a slasher? Yes. I, I think it's, it's more just like a, like a revenge type of film. I enjoyed it way more than the first one. Uh, Stephen Lang is... Super, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a uh, very underrated actor. Uh, he's kind of like a chameleon, too. He's, some movies you don't even recognize him, uh, depending on, like, makeup or how he, his appearance. But this one, yeah, he, I thought he knocked it out of the park with this one. I totally agree. This one was way better than the first one. I, even though I enjoyed the first one, I had to rewatch it. Um, but the second one just stole it. It really did, which is very rare for ultra any violent. Kind, yeah, any ultra kind violent. Of, uh, <laughs> right. uh, oh, you know, you know uh, what? What stood out to me too? The actor Brendan Sexton the third always plays a great creep in movies. You would probably recognize him from um, Boys Don't Cry. He was in uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse. He was in Pecker. Uh, like I said, he always plays like a bully or just a Pecker. fucking creep. Say that again, Mike. He's a bully or a fucking creep. <laughs> no, Pecker. Pecker, yeah. He's he was in Pecker. He was Pecker's friend who was always stealing. Uh, so he just always plays like a bad guy criminal. So he plays an excellent creep in Don't Breathe Two. The guy's a does his job very well. Good actor. Nice. I'm gonna have to get out and check that out. I didn't even know it was coming out this early. Oh yeah. I thought it was like one of those that was held up by COVID for a long time. It's out and it's out in theaters now, folks. Go see it. You'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I, I highly recommend it because the bad guys were as brutal as the blind guy. And that's what made the film a magnificent make. What was this one about, even? I, don't, I didn't even so, see a trailer, I don't think. If you recall after, uh, spoiler alert, folks, if you recall after the first film, um, you know, the, he's alive. He kidnaps the, the final girl in the first one. And uh, the movie, you know, credits go up after he's like dragging her down the street back to the house. Well, in. Um, this new one he's actually kind of playing a good guy and he's takes in this uh this girl who uh, she left a bad family tragedy and he just kind of scoops her up and adopts her uh in a non-legit way he gets like the local uh was she like a ranger the police officer yes to, he gets this ranger to like kind of look the other way, but at the same time she's checking up on this little girl and he's raising her up like as if she's his own daughter and he's teaching her survival skills and this and that. And uh, the bad guys, uh, you know, they, they come to get the little girl, but what you find out is the lead bad guy, it's his daughter. But she doesn't even like recognize him at first because she's been away for so many years and she probably thought that uh he died 
So he comes to claim his daughter, this bad guy, with all his, you know, bad guy friends. And, well, who's there to protect her is the blind man. And it's, uh, like I said, it's it's brutal. It's really violent. And uh, he admits in the film, he's like, I'm not a good guy. Get away from me. But you kind of almost have like a soft spot for him because he raised this girl to be, a, you know, a tough survivalist. And, and and her name is so fitting to like her character because... Uh, at the end, you know, the, these kids that she always wanted to hang out with, they're like, oh, you know, hey, uh, what's your name? And she's like, I'm Phoenix, like a Phoenix rising, you know. Uh, from the ashes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I thought it was great. And, and you know, Mike, that's a great explanation. But I got to say, I don't want to give the ending away, but I could almost hope. Well, I, anyway, I hope they have a third one. I if it's with do. her, yeah, yeah sure, I why not? I hope they do. Because, I mean, well, I'm not going to spoil the film, but... Um, Usually, like horror movie sequels, they nine times out of ten they suck. They mm-hmm. they they ruin the original and they don't do it any justice. This is a rare case where the sequel is actually better than the original, so they could do more. Yeah, especially from horror films. A lot of people just, you know, are, I call are, it sequelitis. Yeah. yeah, it's rare that there's <laughs> yeah. a better sequel. When it's horror film in our genre, it's really hard to get the two, three, four, five, and six going really well. But that second one was amazing, man. Yeah. What a great film that was. Well, uh, we're going to get into 4, 5, and 6 today, the Friday the 13th trilogy. Dun, um, dun, dun. Yeah, so um, a little bit um, just about the uh, kind of the cultural um, zeitgeist at the moment. Um, by the beginning of uh, 1984, the heyday of the slasher film was already in sharp decline. Uh, the years 1980 to 1983 have come to be regarded as the golden years of the genre, uh, when all of Hollywood was greenlighting any film that featured a mass killer, Scores of dead teenagers, an ample array of knives, cleavers, machetes, and in the best of all worlds, all three. So to the horror-hungry teenagers of the 1980s, it was like being let loose in a candy store. Uh, Barely a week went by where a new film wasn't released, featuring some imitation, variation, or regurgitation of even the stalest slasher movie cliches. And following the success of Halloween and Friday the 13th, uh, the major studios quickly mimicked the strategy Frank Mancuso Sr. so successfully employed when he acquired Friday the 13th for Paramount, which is, you know, taking these, uh, you know, low-budget movies and just promoting them as if they would be national, you know, bestsellers. Uh, the studios then attempted to take the next step of elevating slashers to the level of respectable with an influx of imitative adult thrillers uh, boasting big-name stars and A-list directors. Uh, for example, Lauren Bacall fending off Craze Stalker and The Fan. Um, that was That's played good. by uh, Michael Bain, by the way. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood hunting serial rapist and uh, tightrope. Or Oscar winner Lee Grant catfighting with a misogynistic psychopath played by Michael Ironside in Visiting Hours. You guys seen that? That I just is awesome. It. I, I always... just watched it the other night. It's I, funny that one that is you great. I love Michael Ironside. For some reason, I always get that confused with another film that's similar to it that came out around the same time. Um, oh, bad dreams, where they're in a nut house. Oh, and yes, it's I Jennifer Rubens that. who I ripped off. Okay, yeah. she's the star of that. <laughs> yeah, bad dreams is good too. But but what what was what was the dealio with Ironside, Mike? Because when he he's Canadian, ho- I think, and he he's in a ton of like action and sci-fi, a lot of sci-fi. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. I meant I meant in visiting hours because. If you remember when the opening uh, of the movie came up, he was hiding in a closet and he had a lot of women's jewelry on. And I mean, what, I was what wondering was the, that he was, the deal I, was on that? I was wondering if he was supposed to be like you know a transsexual yeah, or something I, I like that. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But then oh. the rest of the was movie, was it like he's a like the kill thing? Yeah, he always ha- he hated women in the whole thing. Yeah, 
So I didn't get that. It I was also like it a weird thing with like him and his dad. Right. Like he's, he just, keeps showing flashbacks. He just always delivers. Like he's so good in he Total is Recall. Awesome. He Total is Recall. Awesome. Scanners, scanners, of course. Oh, he couldn't even beat him um, scanners. Starship Troopers, man. Yeah. Mm. I remember uh, um, Lee Grant, by the way, is remember I was telling you guys about the House Un-American Activities Committee, like where uh, John Wayne was like, you know, bringing people in front of, are you a communist and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lee Grant was actually one of those people that was blacklisted for like, I think it was like 12 or 15 years or something. Seriously? Wow. She wasn't, yeah, she had no association with anything, but there was like a dude who she was really big friends with. I forget his name. He was like a screenwriter and uh, yeah, he died because, you know, they basically ruined this guy's life he had a heart attack and stuff and she gave like his eulogy and that's what they used to blackball her from the the industry no kidding yeah so let's was was lee grant uh in um the omen i don't think so i don't recall i don't recall i forget the mother's name i i thought it was her but i'm probably wrong i i could i don't know why her name uh reminds me of the omen but i i don't know i know she was in a couple of horror films though Strange. Well, um, these types of movies would not have been out of place on double bills with such unapologetic slasher fares, such as Terror Train, uh, My Bloody Valentine, or The Fun House, written by Toby Cooper. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, in the year 1983, um, nearly 60% of all motion pictures, not just horror films, all motion pictures produced in the United States bore lineage to the slasher genre. I think a good uh, like blend of these two is Alone in the Dark. Have you guys Love seen it. this? I did. Love it. I did. Uh, one of my... Favorite films of all time is The Wanderers, okay. about the 60s uh, the gangs. Bronx gang. Okay. Well, the big, fat, uh, bald, uh, bad guy in Terror. that, Terror, is played by uh, an actor named Erlen Van Lith de Jude, and he's the big guy in Alone in the Dark. Yeah, the, the uh, yeah. child molester The guy. child molester, yeah. <laughs> but, and, he, uh, but, and he could sing. Oh, yeah. No, he's yeah. an opera singer. He was in um, Running Man with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and... Uh, one of my favorite parts of Alone in the Dark is the band that they go to see at the club. They're yeah. called the Sick Fucks. <laughs> and they were a real New York punk band back in the day. I like what I like when they were in the van and they were Jason. What was it? The mailman? Yeah. Yeah, he was riding his bike. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking Martin Landau is a creepy looking dude. He's good. Yeah, and then he shows up in the next seat. The guy goes. The mailman goes. What are you, some type of asshole? And he just goes. Martin Landau just looks at him and he, he goes. Laughs. <laughs> He's laughing at him. <laughs> and he shows up in the next scene with the, with the hat on. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Pleasance is always uh, is great in this movie, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and Martin Lando uh, actually did a, uh, I don't know if it was a Jack late Palance. 80s or early. No, no, no. It was early 70s. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Late 70s. That sci-fi, um, uh, what was the name of it? His wife was in it, too. Um, Space 1999. Oh, okay. There was a series yeah. called Space 1999. It was the late 70s. It was it was a really I, I would put that series pretty well not, not I would never match it towards Star Trek Star Trek was the, the leader of all but but Space nineteen ninety nine was pretty damn close it was an excellent sci fi uh, his uh, his daughter's an actress too and she's very good she's been in some horror films really mm-hmm. awesome I love the beginning of it just the very beginning of this movie too when uh, Martin Landau's having like a nightmare in the beginning and uh, Donald Pleasance has this big giant uh, like machete type thing and uh, he splits him in half <laughs> like he's doing, they put him in a handstand and he splits him in half. <laughs> And you know uh, who plays uh, the doctor in this is uh, uh, Mad Dog from the A Team. Oh no shit! Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. yeah. This movie also has uh, so basically like four psychopaths uh, like break out of a mental institution. One of the guys, 
he's like afraid he doesn't like showing his face and stuff so they break into a hardware store and he steals a hockey mask yeah. so it's kind the, of a the bleeder yeah the bleeder that's that, right that's what they called him <laughs> and what was jack Plantin in it was he a cop no no he was jack crazy he was one of the crazies oh was he one of the crazies i, I think he remember. was like yeah it was like they all have different stories like martin landau was like a, a preacher who went crazy yes um jack palance i think they say he's like he was in the war or something or yeah, yeah was, i think so yeah, but at the end, he becomes uh, kind of a good guy, right? Well, not really. I mean, he kind of saves the family. He but goes then to he the g- club to see the sick fucks. <laughs> yeah, and then he, <laughs> he ends up uh, yeah, bashing some guy's head in and then pulling a gun. It's <laughs> his chick. That's a good one. All right, so by the time um, the fourth Friday the 13th film, ceremoniously proclaiming itself to be the final chapter went into pre-production at the end of 1983, the series was already in danger of becoming a dated relic. Um, there seemed to be little question that it was time to go out while the series was still on top. Uh, in other words, it was time to kill Jason once and for all. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, just a couple of sources we use for this. Uh, Crystal Lake Memories, Complete History of Friday the 13th by Peter M. Brack, and uh, Going to Pieces, Rise and Fall of the Slasher Film, 1978 to 1986 by Adam Rockoff. Um, let's just um, jump into our fourth film here, Friday the 13th final chapter oh yes our uh this is i mean for those that are that kind of know the the franchise this is the one with Corey feldman that's right he's uh yeah Corey feldman plays tommy jarvis in this one um so the final chapter sets uh the action at an isolated lakeside community where a group of teenagers whose libidos are all in hyperdrive have come to spend the weekend uh, the film stars future teen heartthrob Corey Feldman, as we said, as a miniature Tom Savini who lives near the vacationing teens with his mother and sister Trish. That was, uh, I know they named him Tom. It was, it was kind of a, an homage to Tom Savini in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that was also why he's, you know, he's playing with all the, the heads at oh, the beginning yeah. and stuff like the masks. that. masks. Yeah. So this entry was um, directed by Joseph Zito, who had worked with uh, Savini on The Prowler three years prior. Has some crazy effects in that. Great special yeah. effects. Loved mm-hmm. it. Loved it. But how how did they consider that Feldman kid a heartthrob? Yeah, it was it was, he was, it was an ugly little. It was bastard. Corey Haim that was the heartthrob, but he always yeah. hung out with Corey Haim. That's why people maybe associate that. But I mean, because that was an ugly dude. He was man. an ugly kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he was Michael Jackson dance moves. Oh, don't yeah, start. But, I mean. Oh, I hate he was that. on. So he's on. So he's trying to do like a pop star thing nowadays. Have you yeah. seen that? Oh, where he was on the on the show. Yeah, it was yeah he super, doesn't he have his hair like Michael and everything. Oh, oh yeah, the whole God. thing. He does like the whole dance moves. He's got the leather jacket and everything. <laughs> he looks like he could be one of Jason's kids. He's a little fuck. <laughs> fuck that kid. <laughs> so uh, Tom Savini was brought in after another special effects um, artist left the project. They were responsible for the unmasked Jason, but Savini handled most of the other effects in this film. Uh, which we'll get into plenty later. Um, also, stuntman Ted White took over as Jason for yeah. the final chapter. Um, White is admitted to being uh, reluctant to take the role and went uncredited for it, but uh, despite this, his version is often considered one of the best. I always liked the way he, he walked and moved. Like, the scene where he's on his knees and they're on the stairs and he's looking at um, Tommy Jarvis and he's looking at the sister, like, which one do I get first? And uh, just, like I said, the way he moved, it looked... Incredible. Yeah, but you know, as I mentioned, to you guys even before the podcast, why would you go uncredited? Well, give me a one hell of a reason why you would do that, man. I'm in I'll, a slasher I'll, film. My name would be all over that sucker. I'd, I'd be bragging about it on on the expressway. I'll go on a limb here and say maybe it was uh, a union thing. The guy, obviously, you know, stuntman, so of course he belongs to some kind of you know film actors guild union, something like that, or maybe stuntmen have their own, but. Some 
like I said, horror back then was re- really looked down upon. It was like next to porn. Yeah. And some people probably just weren't proud to have their name attached or they were scared that it would ruin their career or they just weren't happy with their performance. And especially like when you think of his career up to this point, he was a uh, he was a stunt double for John Wayne for 40 yeah, years, a lot uh, of Clark Gable, Rock Hudson. Oh wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was running that long. But but yeah. I do agree with what you said, Mike, because I did when I was doing my research, I did find out that four and five of the Halloween series, they said it was the most uh, they showed the most nudity and and gore. Five for sure. And gore. Five, yeah. They said those two films had the most of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. And a weird thing, in Turkey, they actually um, didn't show both films until '85. And they both released it, them in Turkey and actually had the posters side by side. So huh. in the theaters there, they showed them in 85. They wanted to show them together. Wow. And that, that was pretty cool. I like that. For those of you that can't picture who, what, who Ted White is or what he looks like, watch John Carpenter's Starman. And yeah. he's the hunter that, <laughs> oh, killed he was the, that killed the deer. That then Starman brings the, the the deer back to life, yeah. and then he gets clobbered by the big hunter. That's Ted White. Oh, okay. I think okay. He, yeah, he's been a, he's had his face in a, like some acting roles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was also um, I know they, there was a stories like that he hated playing Jason too, like because he hated or being off you know on the set and stuff. Because he had these teeth that were in his mouth that like made him drool, like he yeah. couldn't close his mouth all the way, so he hated being around other people. <laughs> while he, he, he hated Corey Feldman too. Yeah. Like he wanted to choke him. Good, he was, I don't. He blame was like him. he says all those like you know old like Western devils. He's like Corey. He was a mean little devil. <laughs> like, I like watching his, just hearing his accent and all these other ones. You know, he was like he was like yeah he was like they talk about him. He would rather like play cards with the crew than uh, be with the other people, and he'd be like. Listen, I was going to hang out cutting it up with them other kids. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, but you know what, though? You know what, though, my nephew, again, he brought up a great point. I do know of quite a few actors in a lot of different genre movie, of movies. They'll do that. They'll they'll uh, sit by themselves. Uh, as a matter of fact... Um, Probably Kane Hodder. Like, he's, he's Jason... On and off the camera yeah. while making the film. Well, Ted White did that, yeah, intentionally too. He, you know, he wanted to be scary when they. Yeah, because there's a few actors that I, I could name off the top of my head that they wouldn't talk to any of the the, the co-stars or look at that weirdo that played the Joker uh, in um, Suicide Squad. He sent oh, he sent he, yeah he sent wow. some of the cast a dead rat, mm. and he was just a strange dude. Yeah, he sent that to Margot Robbie, I think. Like yeah. And, and 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 she really was offended by that. Or then, no, he sent her. He sent her like a box. Of, like he had like used condoms in there and shit. And she it was, was like, was, that was yeah. That was too was, far. There were, there were, he sent used condoms to some. He sent a dead rat. I forgot who it was to somebody. Uh, it was it, just a lot of actors are. I, I don't get that, man. That I would I would have puked in the box and sent it right back to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> well, if I was Ted White, I would have gotten a real machete and cut off Corey's head because I hate that little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> So you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of uh, Corey Feldman hate coming from oh, Salas. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I just I just had a Jimmy John sandwich. It's just the, I mean, yeah, he was. In Jimmy some, John's make he, you angry? No, it's just that's an excuse. The guy he was in some classic films of the '80s, but like he's gone on to become like you say his name now, and it's just like the butt end of a joke. Yeah, because his acting is so fucking terrible now, <laughs> and he's in really bad films now too. I don't think he was any in any good films. Oh, Lost oh, Boys, on, Lost Boys is the only thing Goonies. that I give him credit for. Oh, I couldn't handle it. Gremlins. 
Oh, that, was he the gremlins? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Did the gremlins eat him? I hope. No, no. I remember he was he had scissors and he was cutting the power line to the window. Oh, <laughs> he I don't license that. to drive is like oh yeah, is fun. hilarious. I, I will have to admit he he played okay in Lost Boys. But the burbs. That, he was in the burbs. Oh, God, I can't. Stand pizza that. did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that little kid. He was the voice of Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really? Oh yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I don't insane. care. <laughs> so let's uh, get into Friday the 13th, uh, part four, the final chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so right off the bat, I feel like this movie is just bigger than the original. Like You got like, you know, police all around. There's helicopters and shit. Uh, this takes place the night after the events at Higgins Hagen, which is in part three. Um, the police clean up the grounds and Jason Voorhees' body, believed to be dead, is taken to the morgue. He's still got this. Like I said, this picks up right after. He's still got the axe in his head at the end there. Mm-hmm. I love when they do that in films. I love that, where they take it out right off the right at the end. So again, if this takes, I'm a little confused on the timelines of this movie. I didn't look this up, but I should have. There was if this takes place right after the events of Part Three, then that means this movie is not taking place on Friday the Thirteenth, correctly? Correctly. And this other one takes place directly after part two. They all pick up the same the next day. Yeah. So this is like Tuesday by this point, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you noticed, I even watched the vehicles in, in the movies. They, they'll show, like this last one you just showed, Sammy. The, the mm-hmm. ambulance car was a long station wagon. It I looks rem- like the Ghostbusters car. Yeah, it looks like the Ghostbusters <laughs> I remember, I want to say it was, the, it was the second. No, it was the first one. They had a fire engine with a ladder's. Uh, still on the on the on the side, which they have now, but you could tell it was like a van type. It, it looked like it was from the four, from like one of the, one of the Three Stooges series. <laughs> it was really old stuff, and I'm like, man, when was this made? That's hilarious. So, um, at the hospital, uh, Jason spontaneously revives and escapes from the cold storage, uh, murdering Coroner Axel with a hacksaw. This is an awesome, awesome death in this one. Hmm. It was like uh, grabs the dude, uh, does the hacksaw to his arm, and then he just twists his head. Clean off his. Uh... <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So that uh, special effect, um, since we're talking about Tom Savini, was the first of many illusions. Um, it begins with the gruesome death of uh, Axel. Um, they start the sequence with a shot of a twist of the head, then the live actor facing forward. Um, then they cut to a foam twistable torso and a head for the actual turn all the way around. Um, then back to the live actor again with an appliance on his front that looked like it was his back. So. Um, they also had a crew member lying on the floor um, in back of him that was, like, portraying the guy's hands just like uh, Pamela Voorhees, you know, uh-huh. when she gets chopped off. So, basically, like, this effect goes from uh, from real to fake and then back to real for the actor. It's fuck- I like stupid stuff like uh, that, you know? That's <laughs> cool movie magic. Yeah, so some of this stuff is, like, I think when you pause the movie in certain spots or something like that, you could definitely tell, like, some of it is, you know, a dummy. That's what they use for a lot of these. They're just, you know, fake heads, dummies, and stuff like that. That's the talented uh, Mr. Savini. Definitely. So then a nurse named Robbie Morgan gets gutted with a scalpel. Um, you know, Robbie Morgan was the name of the actress that played Annie in part one. She gets uh, her throat slit in the beginning there. Oh, yeah, yes. because it's on her name tag. Yeah. That, that was like a... Um, yeah, you can see her right yeah. there. Yeah. So that was maybe just a little homage to her at first. I'm not sure why they would single her out for that, but that's great. So then um, the following day, a group of teenagers drive to Crystal Lake for the weekend, although... I'm, like I said, I think this is like Tuesday at this point. So, <laughs> so the group consists of Paul, his girlfriend Sam, Virgin Sarah, her boyfriend Doug, um, Awkward Jimmy, that's played by Crispin Glover, and jokester slash uh, stoner Ted. Was that Lawrence Monison? 
who played Ted? Um, yes. He went on to be in uh, Mask with Eric Stoltz. Yeah, Mask. I think, yeah, he's yeah. been in, I looked his uh, stuff up, he's been in a, a bunch, like all those, oh. CSI, Blue Bloods, He everything. was in that uh, sex comedy. American Virgin. Yes, where he does not get laid at the end of the film. Uh, actually, he does, he's with a hooker, and they all catch uh, the crabs. You remember he he well, he must have gotten close enough to it like, because those little critters jumped well, on him. The girl that he was like lusting over, <laughs> yeah. he walks into the party and she's with the other dude. With his best friend, yeah, the dumbass. And then the movie just ends. It's like the saddest fucking yeah, dude. movie. But I've there's ever always seen. gotta be a dumbass and there's always gotta be a clown. I wish they'd kill those guys first, because that annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> well, that's part of our uh tropes in horror movies. You know, a, like a final girl or a prophet of doom. Formula. <laughs> yeah. There's always gotta be a dopey guy. Yep. I was gonna, which one of which uh, trope do you? Who are you in all these horror movies? What do you guys think? Me? I think I'm the stoner. I get killed quick. <laughs> you know? You know who I'd be? It, Mike asked me who I'd be. Who would you be, Sal? I'd be Jason because no, of, that's my answer. Wait a minute. <laughs> let me tell you why. You know why? He's a pervert. Did you ever notice that he kills everybody that's either having sex, watching sexy movies, or just getting ready to give, no, give a, get a no. shot at the title? No, no, I no. Think no. You, you got it all wrong. He yeah. just hates people. That's why I associate with him. Well, I'd like to be him because I, I, I think I, I think I'd have fun doing that. You know, here's these two kids, you know, taking a shot at the title, no, I want, and I come in and ruin it all. I take <laughs> it back. I want to be crazy, Ralph. <laughs> Crazy Ralph. <laughs> see, I'd be, see, that's why I'd be a good Jason. Mike is like, he's got a death curse. He's got a death curse. You're all doomed. Don't go in there. You'll get another DUI. <laughs> Cops down that road, they got checkpoints. And, and I'd really have fun if I seen. If, I, you know when I'd have fun, Mike? Mike's riding the bike away with a squeaky wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I had too many bumps, too much moonshine. Okay, I would let Mike go. I would let Mike go because he would be riding that little three-wheeler bike with the squeaky wheel and the, and the little ring belt thing. And I'd let my nephew go. And the main reason is because he's my he's my favorite nephew. And plus, I'd be too busy killing the assholes in the sleeping bag against the tree and, and whacking them out. That's always my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into another death here. On the way, the group comes across Pamela Voorhees' tombstone. This is also where we learn uh, her first name uh, for the first time. Uh, also, a hitchhiker who was soon killed by Jason. This is the banana kill kind of. Oh, banana kill. <laughs> I love it. She's squeezing the banana as 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 the as this uh, machete's going through her throat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Another uh, Tom Savini effect here. This is cool. They kind of had like a knife like on a or track a here. Yeah. yeah. So like when he, he said he actually used like a real knife like until they cut away to that one part there. So like he just told her like, yo, this is a real knife. Don't fuck around. Like let me move your head and you won't get stabbed in the head. <laughs> still. <laughs> it's also cool like when you watch that scene, there's people like behind her, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like her sacks and stuff, you know, her backpack and stuff. There's like three people under that are all pumping blood and stuff in there and working the knife and stuff. So it's more on the side that the knife is getting there in, in, in yeah. the throat? Yeah. yeah, it's actually coming through. It's like um, kind of like one of those fake things that, you know, they pop in and out. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that's a cool. Very cool effect. Definitely. So um, the teens arrive. They meet neighbors Trish Jarvis, her 12-year-old brother Tommy, and the famous uh, dog Gordon. And uh, we also get a parent in the, the Friday the 13th movie for the first time. This is... Uh, Mrs. Jarvis right here. She kind of, it was a funny thing. They told her like, yo, as like a kind of a throwback to Pam Lavore, he's like, at the end of this scene, like maybe just look a little sinister as you're looking at all the kids. Like unapprovingly. She looks like she's pissed <laughs> off about something. That was another thing. They kind of did like, in this movie and the and then in the next movie, they do like kind of some red herrings where you're not sure like if, is this lady killing people too? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Big question mark. She's the new Jason, right? 100%. <laughs> so... 
While going for a walk the next day, the teens meet twin sisters Tina and Terry Moore and go skinny dipping. I go skinny dipping with them. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> These yes, two were double mint twins. <laughs> <laughs> double your pleasure, double the fun. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the teens begin a party. Um, a jealous Samantha sees Tina flirting with Paul and leaves. She goes out to the lake where Jason impales her with a spear from under the raft. I love her face during this, too. <laughs> yes, Mike, that is the chick from Weird Science. I was just going to say, dude, Sal, you read my mind. I was like, I know she looks familiar. Weird Science. Weird Science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good call. Now, so, see, if I was Jason, I'd save her for last. So this raft kill um, is kind of a little bit. They did this one like uh, kind of like the Kevin Bacon kill from the first one, where they had like, so she's in a raft in the water, and her if you can imagine her head popping out from the raft, but her body is all under the raft. They had a hole cut in there. Mm. Um, Samantha was played by Judy Aronson, by the way, and um, she was that was shot in January at midnight. They said the temperature was like thirty degrees, and she ended up getting hypothermia. Yeah. It's also cool how they made, like, a, I want that guy's job. They made a mold of, like, her back and her ass <laughs> just to put in the raft there so they could stab through that thing. <laughs> it's a funny thing, though. Um, our next uh, guy that gets it, uh, Paul, he goes out to look for her, and he's stabbed in the groin with a harpoon gun. Ooh. Yeah, but I also it's a weird. So she gets Ooh. stabbed through the raft in here, but when he finds her, she's floating in the raft, fully inflated. And I'm you like, don't think he's a pervert, Mike? <laughs> he, he stabbed this guy in a pee-pee. I think he's just he's just inventive on the way he kills. That's all. You gotta have fun with it. You can't stab everybody in the chest over and over and over. Each again, one you know? gotta make special. Yeah. <laughs> you think he's got a highlight reel in his head? He's like, oh yeah. man, when I kill that. This dude, is what I'm gonna do this this Ooh. week. Yeah. He's, like, he's, he's walking through the woods later. He's like, did you hear the way that guy uh, fucking screamed when I stabbed him in the dick? <laughs> That's like what was it? Um, uh, black is it Black Mass? I think with um, where Whitey Bulger is played by uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. There was a part in that movie that's kind of funny. Like he, sh they shoot a guy in the head, and he goes, <laughs> "Do you see that? He fell funny." He's like, because he like he shot him in the front of the head or something. And the guy falls over right or something. <laughs> so Crispin Glover, uh, oh, this dance, dance machine, great dance oh, machine. My God. <laughs> He does these totally spastic uh, dance moves in this movie. You know what I would like Get to see? Get your goddamn hands off of her, Biff. <laughs> what I would I would love to see uh, Elaine Bennis dancing with Crispin Glover. That would be a great uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, moves. right. That would be a great combo right there. See, that's why I don't dance. I'll be, show you I some dancing. Like Mike, I dance just like that. That's why I don't dance at, at weddings or anything. But you know what? He had a choice there. He could have either, like, you know, played it safe and just done a regular thing, and we wouldn't be talking about this 40 years later. Hey, how come you turned that off? Didn't he score at one of those girls? Oh, yeah, the Doublemint twins. Oh, yeah. So that's actually what happens. Um, as Yeah, as he's scoring with the one uh, Doublemint twin, um, Terry, her sister, leaves the party, but before she can get on her bike, Jason stabs her with a spear. This is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty dope... Um, Kill too. They do uh, some cool like playing with the the lightning and the shadows there. Yeah. Like the lightning strikes and you see it like the shadow of him stab her. And then um, it, it cuts away for a minute, but then it cuts back again. You see a stunt double just thrown right against the fucking roof and uh, stabbed with it. I'm sorry, the side of the house. <laughs> so um, yeah, after uh, sleeping with Tina, Jimmy goes downstairs to get a bottle of wine. Uh, Jason pins his hand with a corkscrew before striking him in the face with a meat cleaver. We get a bunch of these. This is kind of like a handicapable ass eater mark from uh, <laughs> from part two, right? <laughs> handicapable ass eater. 
<laughs> That's another thing Jason loves to do. He loves stabbing people in the face with meat cleavers. And again, she just had a shot at the title. The poor kid's happy, and then he gets a cleaver to the face. That would piss me off. That's what you get. Damn it. I don't know. You know, he went out on top, though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dance machine. That's true. And then some of these, like I said, you like pause some of these moments here, like this it was a screenshot here, and you could tell like the meat cleaver has a hole cut out for his face. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right, like right, that's yeah, how they yeah, did yeah, that yeah. shot. The blood almost looks like <laughs> jelly too. A little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I never noticed that. Yeah. But you know what? Tom Savini's like the master of blood. You know, he talks about that in like his documentaries, where he's like, he's that's like a big part in his documentaries. Like that's when we got the recipe <laughs> for the blood. <laughs> Red food die. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because he talks about like you know and uh, like we see all these like um, Jello films and stuff like that where it's just it's like crayon red. It's yeah, pouring right? out of people. Well, I'll say all the blood in like Dawn of the Dead was like pink. Yeah, it, I think that's what he talks about. Like He's like, I wish magenta. we had that recipe back then. <laughs> it didn't look red to me. It looked like pink magenta. Ooh. Mm. And all the makeups. Yeah, that one too is like uh, all the zombies are all like real green. Yes. <laughs> now I now I know that. And again, Mike, say your last name, uh, Chloe. Um, Oh, what's her name? The one that did the the last Carrie movie, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Cra- Chloe, oh. Yeah, she Boo. said she's stop it. Boo. She said that the blood that they used that they dumped on her, mm. you know, the, fi- the the final scene at the prom. Yeah. She said that shit would not come out of her hair. But, oh, come on! <laughs> I know that's wow. also what uh, Jane Levy says at the like end of her. the new uh, the new Evil Dead. You know, it's just raining blood right, and everything right, like that. Right, she was right. saying the same thing that stained her fucking face why, why, or why, hair. Why, why did you like her, Mike? Was it a childhood thing? No, I mean, just <laughs> childhood. <laughs> no. Did your little bell not work on your bike? She's in. <laughs> My bike got stolen. God damn it. Now you're bringing up memory, Sal. <laughs> Ding. She's in some awful remakes, and she's like the star of them, and I just don't think she's doing them any justice. That's all. She's not a great actress. Look oh, at, oh. What was that last one where she's battling the gremlin in the plane? In the shadow Sh- of the Shadow of the cloud. That was, you know what? That movie, all of it was garbage. There's a part at the end of that movie where she falls out of an airplane. An airplane is below her and explodes, and it shoots her her back back into into the. the (laughs) Oh boy, I'm glad I didn't watch that. But I, but I liked her in, uh, in uh, uh, Let Me In. I liked her in. um, Was it the Fifth Wave? I think that was the name of it. And and the um, Equalizer. You know what? I really liked her in Kick Ass. Because she was just a you know foul what, mouth I, you little You know what? Kid. I did like her in that, too. Yeah. yeah. She was in this film with Louis C.K. called I Love You, Daddy, and it never came out. They oh. This is right around the time where he got in, uh, he got Me Too'd, mm-hmm. and he got in all that trouble. They never put the movie out. But the movie is supposed to be about, like, this young girl being, like, sexualized, and her father is Louis C.K., and he's letting her uh, just be, like, promiscuous, this and that. I think that's what the hmm. movie's about. Do, do you have her number, Mike? <laughs> Wow. Fine, we can crank collar, yeah. <laughs> Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> All right, so um, another one of our Doubleman twins, Tina, she looks out the window upstairs and finds that her sister's bike is still there. Um, Jason, at that <laughs> moment, bursts through the window and throws her to her death, crashing her on the car. Um, and when she hits the car, by the way, they did a cool effect where they blew out all the windows in the car, so it looked like she landed super-duper hard. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> you know what? Jason had a good sense of humor because that's what I would do. I would throw you on a car or something like that or <laughs> something to see a little more, you know, a little, little more exciting. That's what, you know, he had to be peeping too. But after <laughs> <laughs> he was up there, he was on that second floor ledge. Yep. Yeah, and at but, first he's thinking, man, 
It's <laughs> <laughs> like I saw that. That was a double mint shake. What if he was, he was blowing bubbles? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I should have chewed big red. <laughs> So back inside, um, while a stone Ted watches stag films with a film projector, he gets too close to the projector screen and is stabbed in the head with a kitchen knife from but the other side. But you guys wish you could do that at work. I, you know <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. I hate this kid so much. I'm glad he got stabbed in the head. <laughs> I, I wish he would have chopped off his head that fucking <laughs> He was saying um, in Crystal Lake Memories, he's saying like in this scene, he was like, he thought it, he was so cool back then. Like he was a method actor. So he went and got stoned like right before this scene. He's like, it was the biggest mistake ever. Like I couldn't f- follow what anybody was saying everybody's yelling at me <laughs> they also did uh, that scene you know tom savini again with a, a fake head that was like if you pause uh, in certain parts in there you could tell it's a fake head but it, it's still fucking awesome so he really got high before that before that scene yeah, yeah. So he still nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> all right i'll give him that that's about it <laughs> so um our next kill uh jason then goes upstairs where um teens doug and sarah finish uh making love in the shower after Sarah, uh, Sarah leaves, Jason kills Doug by crushing his head against a shower tile. This is an awesome death, too. I love it. They did the same thing where it was a fake head, you know, on the wall. Mm. Um, there's, Ted White talks about this where they're like, Tom Savini's like, listen, we only got one dummy for the head. Like, don't be rough with it. And he's like, listen, partner, I'm here to I'm gonna be a stunt, man. I'm going to rough that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, like, like, Peter Barton, too, who plays the guy in this, uh, the actor in this scene, he was saying the same thing because he got, like, burned, like, by a magnesium flare or something, like, on oh. one set. So he was really worried about getting hurt. And uh, uh, Ted White said the same thing to him. He's like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm not here to hurt you or nothing, but... Uh, I'm gonna have to fuck you I'm up a little smash bit, your fucking face in. <laughs> so they like, yeah, they put a pad behind his smash face. <laughs> they said they put it like a pad behind his head and stuff, but Ted White said he was he still roughed him up pretty good. <laughs> and the dude in this scene, um uh Peter Barton is the actor, like we said. He was also um in this movie called uh The Powers of Matthew Stone with Amy Steele. Oh, from, oh uh, okay. Yeah, so part two. Was, yeah, she was our part two final girl. Nice. Um, also, Peter Barton was in another movie I found called Hell Night yeah. uh, with Linda Blair. Yeah. Linda, yeah. Pretty good one. Yeah. This is a weird movie. It's like it depicts a fraternity hazings at an old manor um, where a deformed killer uh, murders many of the college students. It kind of blends um, elements of slasher and haunted house themed films. Yes. Yeah. Also, uh, Linda Blair was nominated for a Razzie for worst Aww. actress for this film. <laughs> well, this, uh, yeah, it was another one featuring a mongoloid sound. I love mongoloids. Mongoloid, it was a mongoloid. Right. We kind of got hey, robbed hey. though because there was a fam. This was a family of mongoloids. Oh, <laughs> see, I would like to live next door to mongoloid people. I think uh, he had like there was like maybe you do. <laughs> At the end of this movie too, he also they also find like an altar like this uh, mongoloid. He's got an altar just like Jason had in his house. Nice. So. Mongoloids, uh, they love fucking. You, you know, you know what I think about my. Mon- <laughs> oh. You know what? I- <laughs> you know what a good thing about mongoloids huh. is at Halloween they don't have to wear masks, and I could go, hey, let me see that head. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big dome. It's That's like- a big dome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when uh, Sarah finds Doug's body, she tries to escape, but gets a double-bit axe through her chest. This is cool. They find him, like, uh, Jason just takes him and shoves him through the shower door and, like, slams his head down, like, his neck down on the broken glass. <laughs> and also, in this scene, uh, at the end, she gets killed. The axe, like, comes through the fucking door is awesome. Crack. That Good was kill. an excellent scene. The Good axe, kill. The axe right there in the middle. Oh, yeah. Good there kill. There you go. 
That was another one. I know they did this too with like where the axe is like it's built into the towel. That's like a like a hard prosthetic, you know? Like the towel is like okay, a hard hard that. prosthetic thing. Cool. So um, then Mrs. Jarvis arrives home and uh, discovers the power outage. Um, she's searching for the children and the dog when she's killed off screen. Oh. This is another one of those um, kind of like Steve Christie deaths. There was another one in the second one. I think the girl's name was Terry, where she's looking around and then all of a sudden, hey, what's that like? <laughs> 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 but some of these are kind of comical because it's like, how could you not notice like Jason's not? He has hey, to be standing right he's, next he's to you. He's a ninja, okay? <laughs> he's wearing a mask. He's a ninja. Yeah. You won't even hear him coming. And, and, and again, I've got to give it to the actors. Look at how cold it is, man. She, you can see her breath. I mean, it is. How yeah. cold did you say it was, Sammy? Oh, like, the yeah, water? they shot this in January. Dude. They said it was like 30 degrees. Wow. Where, where, do you think, well, I don't, I mean, I'm sure some some of them weren't filmed in Jersey, but I think a lot of them were filmed in Jersey. Um, I th- Probably Canada, too. Really? Yeah, I think the first two, and then I, I think this one was shot in California, I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's still I, this is another kind of like uh, the third movie that was shot in California where they like built this whole scene or something, yeah, or they had like they built a set. the cabin or something for this, and then they built like another house and a bunch of other stuff. So, so that means that a lot of these people aren't used to cold weather like we are, right? I mean, they probably not. Possibly, I mean, possibly. man, that had to have been brutal. So the, the by the way, the fate of Mrs. Jarvis is never revealed, but there was one shot, um, one scene shot uh, that didn't end up in the movie. She's discovered in the bathtub by Kimberly, uh, fully clothed, lying uh, dead face up underneath the water. Um, they also shot another version, which was supposed to be the original ending of the movie, where her eyes are all like white and nightmarish, and she rises up out of the bathtub, and it turns out to be a dream. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like the Friday the 3rd, they love to do the, the false ending with the mothers at the end. Yeah. Mm. Well, didn't they do that too on uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Didn't they have that same kind of effect? Yes, with like the fake dreams. Yeah. yeah, a dream within a dream. Yeah. Oh yeah, when she yeah she wakes up and she she sees the little kids right. and off the car. So uh, after Pete is the, or I'm sorry, the guy, after this guy gets stabbed in the groin earlier in the movie, um, we it's revealed uh, that Rob uh, Dreyer, remember we uh, brought him up, uh, Sandra, his yeah. sister from the second one. Yeah. So Trish and Sam, Tommy arri- soon arrive and realize their mother is myth- missing. Uh, Trish goes to search for her and finds Rob's campsite. It's revealed that Rob is actually the brother of Jason's victim, Sandra. I'm not sure how you say it. Dyer? Dear? Uh, from the second installment, um, Rob further explains to her that Jason is still alive and he came to Crystal Lake to avenge his sister's death. So this dude's just Good trying luck to with kill that, yeah. which, which one was Sandra in the second one? Remember we talked about a, a Bay of Blood where no, she I got remember- stabbed yeah, yeah, with the spear? That was her death. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, because I do remember he he had something to do with the second part. Mm-hmm. He, I'm sorry, he was related to somebody in the second part. And I know they also said, yeah, a bunch of like interviews they give about this. They really uh, like that goes over everybody's heads. Like until they brought it up, I didn't. I've seen this a million times too. And I, I didn't realize. It. I did that, too. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. But I again, I love when they do that. Because that you was know? yeah, that was that part makes two. So much sense. I mean, this was you got to figure like two, three years later, or whatever. I mean, back then they didn't have like DVDs where we're watching this every day, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So people are like, "Who? Wait, he's what?" <laughs> Trish and Rob go next door to investigate and discover the team's bodies. Um, the dog flees, uh, and Rob is killed by Jason in the basement as he as Trish runs home. Um, Rob also has a machete that uh, she takes with her. This is um, a pretty dark scene. There's not any blood or anything in it. I think the one thing about this scene that's kind of funny, too, is he keeps yelling, He's killing me! He's killing me! <laughs> yeah, but do you see how dumb that lady was? She, th- This guy's getting blunted by an instrument hundreds of times, and she's standing there watching it. Are you a dumbass? 
my fat ass would be gone already, probably eating McDonald's. <laughs> you know, watching a Mongoloid film. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting stabbed. Oh, help, help. Sorry. This <laughs> is trailing dust for a so you can See always ya. count on Sal to just leave you to die. You're damn right. <laughs> You're damn right. And I'd be watching reruns of the Rawhead Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's right. I brought him up again. <laughs> you have so, to. He's the mascot. Trish and Tommy um, run home. They barricade the house, but Jason Jason breaks in and chases them into Tommy's room. Um, Rob is also throwing again like a shot through a cannon through a window here. <laughs> Why does he like doing it? He loves throwing people through the window. He hates doors. Always Dude, does that. Dude, how awesome is that? And this is also a great moment where Jason, uh, he pops in and he grabs uh, Corey Feldman, Tommy Jarvis. And uh, Corey Feldman tells a, tells a funny story in um, Crystal Lake Memories about it where this scene fucked him up. <laughs> like, oh, he yeah, talks he about, like, him like, he, like yeah, he pissed his pants. Like, look at his face right there. <laughs> he said, like, they had to take him. They were like, are you okay? And he's like, no, no, I'm not a fucking gay. <laughs> like, yeah, that scene really fucked him up. He tells that, uh, by the way, in Crystal Lake Memories, he looks like a Crystal Lake douchebag. He's got fucking, he's got a be- bejazzled uh, hat on. He's got, like, okay. you know, what do they call him? The Ed Hardy shirts. That's all Jazzled he looks like a, he did a little crystal meth. His, his head is sparkly. Yeah, look at him, man. He's crystal, crystal meth and crystal lake. He's like, a, it's like one of those affliction t-shirts. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but doesn't he look like that guy you want to hit with a hammer or an axe or, or a machete? Absolutely. Or is that just me? Nope. The only thing that shirt is missing is like some, uh, they call them tassels. Uh, <laughs> you know, the cow, like the frilly cowboy things. <laughs> you mean like the Macho Man Randy Savage? Yeah, yeah. yeah dude. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, Buy them slim jims. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our final girl in this um is uh, Trish Jarvis. She's played by Kimberly Beck, by the Hello. way. Hello. That's right. She's a total badass. She um she lures Jason out of the house and escapes. And she does this from the second floor. She jumps through a window. This is pretty dope. See again with the windows. <laughs> Why? That's it. That, love those panties. They love it, dude. Yeah, she was a. Um, the actual actress was pretty mad about that. Actually, like they want. She wanted uh, the stunt woman to like do this trick again because she was pissed that she would have to be there. You know, with her her dress like up over her <laughs> hips like that. Oh well. So um, she returns home then, um, just to save Tommy, and she senses that Jason is behind her and tries to fight him off with a machete, but is overpowered. There's a great clip in this where she goes right through the guy's hand right there. You were talking about wasn't that from scene? Uh, we're talking about from part two that it happened. Was, it was from part two where where she uh, she was supposed to get that. Uh, what was he? What was he defending himself with a shovel or something like that? A but she, she missed and got his hand and, yeah. and split his hand off. Not that bad, but so I was wondering, yeah, if that's hand. an inspiration, kind yeah, of for right? this a little bit. Yeah, another um, Tom Savini little bit in there. They did that, uh, you know, where his hand is moving and stuff. Like that's basically just Savini off uh, camera with. They have uh, all these little. Uh, wires inside of Jason's hand so he could pull them, you know, he could basically make his hand move I, like Jason's hand. You know, I got to ask you two guys something. Now, we discussed about Savini in our last podcast. I understand he was a photographer in Vietnam, but do you think this is, you know, doing this stuff is some kind of mental release of, of um, what's that called, Mike, when, when you have something wrong with you after you come out of the service? What is that, P- PTSD? Oh, PTSD? PTSD. Do you think this is like some kind of... Uh, natural release for him. I think it's just his natural genius, man. I mean, the guy was still is super talented. Like he's a, he's a real genius for, and he's a pioneer for special effects and makeup. Right, but he was in people Vietnam, don't do man. people. Took well, yeah, of that stuff. but well, that just makes his shit good because he knew what dead people really look like. He would yeah. always like in his documentaries, he would mention like smiles on their faces and stuff, and the way 
In, v- in Vietnam, when, yeah, when he, was he said really? dead soldiers would have like uh, like a smile on their face, according to him. Okay, that's disturbing. Yeah, but I mean, he oh. but he uses that in his films, and this is like a really it's a lost art, practical uh, special effects and makeup. Everything right. these days is done by CGI, right? And it sucks, in my opinion. Right. The guy, he's he's a pioneer. I get so much more excited for a movie when you could tell that they're practical effects too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do too. I'm old fashioned like that, man. I gotta see stuff like that. Right. You know what was uh, what was a really cool um, effect that they did? Um, a cool, um, uh, like kind of a monster too uh, that we forgot to br- I forgot to bring up on our horror comedies episode is the Cheddar Goblin from Mandy. Oh God! You, yeah. you remember that? <laughs> that was he's just Mandy. a Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> the Cheddar Goblin, dude. He's just like he comes out. It's like uh, Nicholas Cage is having like a, a freak out moment or something like that. And then is this? Uh, there's like a commercial that comes on TV. And it's like Cheddar Goblin. Did you eat all the macaroni and cheese? Nothing's better than cheddar. Cheddar Goblin. And he like he vomits. <laughs> he vomits macaroni and cheese all over these little kids. <laughs> Mandy, dude, you got to be really drunk or really high to enjoy that film. And it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a good film to watch like at a party where you put it on in the background. Yeah, I yeah. mean, just watching it by yourself, you're gonna be disappointed. Because it, yeah, it has a bunch of like you know colorful scenes in it. It's real For trippy sure. and stuff. Oh yeah. All right, so moving on. Um, Tommy, having disguised himself to look like Jason as a child, uh, distracts him long enough for Trish to hit him with the machete, but she merely whacks off his mask, and as Trish stands horrified at Jason's deformed face, Tommy takes the machete and strikes it in the side of his skull, causing him to collapse to the floor, and it splits his head open on impact. Uh, Tommy notices that Jason's fingers are slightly moving, and then he continues to hack at his body while screaming, Die! Die! So uh, this is an awesome scene where it is Jason, yeah, he gets whacked with the machete and then he slides down the machete. That was awesome. Cool. Awesome effect. There was, a, if you notice, like some of the, I mean, this is a lot of the deaths aren't tame in this movie, but they said that they kept cutting out like scenes, uh, not scenes, but, you know, frames of other deaths, making it shorter and shorter just so that they could have that machete slide down on there. Awesome. Like the ratings board kept fucking with them. Like on I all bet. these movies they do. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, but when he shaved his head to make him look like a young Jason, he was a scarier look than the actual Jason. Man, look at that kid. Tell well, me it's not a mongoloid. It worked. It worked. With little hairs. <laughs> look at Jason's fingernails too. They're all black and like wooden. They're long. Yeah. Do you see his fingernails? They look like toenails. Like, I mean, <laughs> the guy's got a machete. He could. He, I mean, he could do his nails. You don't have to have a nail clipper. I know, right? Can he bite him? Oh no, not with those bad toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I couldn't be a, a mongoloid. I have pretty good teeth because oh, the mongoloid boy. guys. Have those like you know? They're eating a lot of sugar. Yeah, they're eating They're Appalachian. Was he eating a Zagnut bar? So that's in this scene. What I like about that is like when they show it, like you can see that still see the axe wound on his head from part three there. So I like how they like carry it over, like you know, all of his wounds from all the other things. Right. That's a. That would have been so awesome to see. And, you know, they also did a, a cool thing that, like, the the whole head was, like, animatronic with this. So they mm. said, like, when he slides down the ground, like, the top of the head, like, moves separately, like, bubbles and stuff like that. The jaw is moving. There was even, they had a guy, like, his only job, he had a, a tongue on his finger. that And his only job was to make his, the tongue, like, wag inside of Jason's mouth. <laughs> I could do was... that job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's. You- that oh, always blows. Jason. That always blows my mind that there's like you know for that one death right there, there's like six people under the ground that are yeah. moving his head. They're doing this. They're right, right, right. 
Because, you know, back then they didn't have, like, you know, um, uh, well, I got a Bluetooth receiver I can put in this head and remote controller from the back room right. here. No, you had real people but you know what, though? doing this. Mike, you brought up a hell of a point. Because look at his teeth. You figure his teeth, is his his um, fingernails and everything. You got to figure. So he's what in his thirties now, probably right. That's what. Yeah, Tom Savini said he wanted him to be like thirty five. I think. Right, and you and you have to remember. So obviously he's never been to a dentist. Obviously he's never had had his nails cut or anybody teach him what to do. So I think that's a great effect that that they made him the way he is. You know what I mean? Because because I I went on I went on um, again on Facebook. He's misunderstood. He's misunderstood. Yeah, and 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 there was a couple of. a couple of fans that said, can Jason talk? And I looked under response, and it said yes. And I'm like, yes, when did he talk? Never. I and know. I forgot he did. He what? did. Because if you remember, and when he's drowning, you can hear, mommy, mommy. And, and you know, you remember when they actually showed him drowning? He did yell for his mommy. And, and Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I, I, you remember when? When, uh, when, um, when it was Ari Lehman? I don't know if it was our, I think it was Arlene. It was either one or two, and you could hear him screaming from the water. Hmm. Mommy, mommy, remember? I thought it was all in like Pamela Voorhees' head. Uh, that could be. Well, it, was a, it was a flashback. Well, well again, well, it could be in her head, but but I'm just saying. It said it on Facebook. Kill can her, Jason mommy, talk? Kill her. Well, they brought that up too. Don't let her get away. Talk through her. But then, if you remember <laughs> when he was drowning, you heard him say, "Mommy, save me, mommy." Save. So he actually. Supposedly he did. He does know how to talk. Oh, okay. But okay. but like like I said again, it could have been Pamela Voorhees dreaming it. I don't know, but he did. Mm. I do remember that scene where he's drowning, and it was in a couple of. Uh, I think even in um, uh, Jason goes to uh, Manhattan. I, I want to say he was in the pool scene and, and he was yelling. And he was saying, "Help me" or something like that. Well, yeah. the yeah, the little yeah. like the ghost right. of right. Uh, young Jason came yeah. back when they were in the Cause sewer. Because I, I do believe uh. they said it was two episodes where he was talking, and I could for the life of me, I'm like, no, that's wrong. Is that but takes then, Manhattan when the, at the Manhattan. end when he yeah Party. yeah. But but again, but I, then I then I remember he, they're right. The guy was right who answered this this fan's uh, you know request. Can he talk? And he did when he was very little. He was screaming from the water. Hmm. Yeah. When you said he's misunderstood, I thought of uh, you know, in Men in Black in the beginning, he's like, he shoots, he only shoots the little girl. And he's like, how come you didn't shoot the beast? He's like, oh, I saw he had a tissue in his hand. I realized he's not snarling, he's sneezing. He's, <laughs> he's got a cold. What am I gonna pop a cabinet? He's like, and this, this guy who's hanging up on the bar, he's just working out. <laughs> How'd I feel? Someone coming to try to bust me in a, with a cab <laughs> All right. So um, at the hospital, Trish is uh, visited by Tommy. He rushes in, embraces her, and gives her a disturbed look while staring at the camera. This was um, kind of setting up for a part, um, a part five. They kind of wanted to have. They had a whole trilogy plan where um, Tommy was going to be the killer next. Right. So he's got to give that sinister look at the end. <laughs> Fucking Corey Feldman, which, which right? Was a good ending. I will give him that. That was a good ending because he's a first of all, he's a creepy kid to begin with. And when he had that look, and he had a shaved little hair sticking out of his head, you know, the, the little mongoloid so like, look. They gave I him, they gave him jeans and, and yeah. a jacket, but they couldn't give him a fucking haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't shave off those little head things, uh, little hair things. <laughs> they're, they're so little, they could have just plucked them out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hold still, Corey. See, I would have left it just like that because I would have been a disturbing looking guy, so no, nobody could fuck with me. Look at that guy. What's with his hair? <laughs> <laughs> so we got a body count of uh, 13 in part uh, part four here. Part four opened on April 13th, 1984. Um, final chapter was unfairly dismissed by critics, but is easily one of the most enjoyable entries in the series. 
uh, proving that with a $32 million box office take and the fans' appetite for Jason had not been sated. Hmm. Also, uh, towards the end of 1984, a low-budget film came out of nowhere and combined with the final chapter, reinvigorated the slasher genre with a much-needed jolt of adrenaline. Um, a film from Sean Cunningham's old buddy, Wes Craven, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's why we get, uh, that, like I said, I kind of reinvigorated the slasher genre, and we got a whole new wave of stuff coming from 1984. Including, 84. Yeah, including our next uh, part five. Yeah. Hey, hey, wait, wait, guys, guys, I got to ask you. What, I, I would have loved to have been at some kind of um, uh, some kind of panel discussion with with uh, with those guys, you know, with uh, with Cunningham with Cunningham talking to Wes Craven or you know all, all those guys. I mean, you get those guys together. What do you think they talk about? Oh, jeez. I mean, seriously. I mean, do they talk about horror? Do they talk about fishing? You know. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you know, on camera, probably horror. No, off, no, I'm talking off camera. off camera. I'm talking off camera. Yeah. They probably don't talk about work. I don't know. You know, I mean, because I know. Well, I, Wes is gone. I yeah. yeah. I seen a couple of interviews, uh, and it was on a serious note with uh, Alfred Hitchcock. That was a weird dude. Alfred? Yeah. Hmm. He. I him, think Wes Craven was probably just like the, the dude that he plays his, his self in uh, New Nightmare. I think you, you know you where think you go so? to. Him, he's like, hey, so I've got a script written for you. Over here, so <laughs> Sit, sit down and read about all the fucked up ways that I'm gonna kill everybody. It's like, like real soft spoken and stuff. Well, you know, again, that's why I brought it up. I'm like, you know, I mean, you know, the, the movies that entertain us, the movies that they love, they gotta be in love with their characters and their and 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 what they do. But you know, how far do they take that? Do they do they put that in their personality and like, hey, Mike, you wanna uh, come by the house and see all my heads I got collected downstairs? I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> Especially if they had a couple of mongoloid heads. Oh my god! <laughs> you know I'd be there in a heartbeat, Sal. <laughs> All right, so part five is my favorite Friday Thirteenth film out of the whole franchise. Number one because it's just so sleazy, and oh, like yeah. the kills are awesome, the characters are great. It, to me, it's the most entertaining out of them all. So, few modern horror franchises can commit cinematic suicide and return to tell the tale. No one, not even the most diehard fans of the series, expected another sequel after the final chapter. Jason was dead and gone, and there seemed few potential avenues left to explore that could legitimately sustain a long-term, aesthetically valid franchise. But the prospect of bringing a few more dollars from one of their least expensive and most pro profitable franchises was hard for Paramount to ignore. Now executive producer Frank Mancuso Jr. was searching for a way to not make the same movie over and over, but the most controversial chapter in the history of Friday the 13th was about to unfold. Although there is no question that there is a mass killer stalking and killing, the film is really one big sleazy whodunit. The man to thank for this is Danny Steinman, filling the director's chair straight from the world of exploitation cinema and porn. He made Savage Streets with Linda Blair. <laughs> Oh my God! Love I just it. watched this for the first time. The oh, other day. isn't it good? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> she looked great in it. Movie. I mean, it's she it, did. Talk about one of the best. Like, I mean, it is its own genre. Rape revenge yep. is, yeah. is is its own genre. Yeah. And by the way, the person who gets uh, raped in that movie that she's avenging is uh, Linnea Quigley. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Scream Queen. Now, who, goddess. Now, who, what, is, what else has she done? 
Linnea? Oh, boy. Uh, Return, Return of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Oh, she did? Uh, Night, Night, Night of Demons. Yeah. Uh, wow. She's the girl who puts uh, the lipstick like in her tit. Yeah. <laughs> like right wow. to her titty. Lip- lipstick in the, in the nipple. <laughs> Basically, you've seen her naked in every movie oh, she's yeah. ever been in. All right. She's got <laughs> a great right, screen, too. Who played you know the what? bad guy in Savage Streets? Because that was a creepy motherfucker, oh, dude. Man, I, I didn't forget the dude's name. name. Oh, He's only man. really known for, for that film. I had to ask Sal, though. I was like, was Linda Blair looked at as like a hot chick back then? Because I've seen like three or four movies. Even Hell Knight was like that, where uh, well, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's always she's like... She's got a big bosom. Yeah, yeah, there's always guys that are like... Uh, they got like perfect 10 girlfriends and then they see Linda Blair and they're like, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, what, dude? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she had a great body back then. But yeah, I think, he, I mean, it's her, it's her name and who she was in The Exorcist. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what pe- why people, I think, are attracted but so, to But her. Some of her, so many of her films were based on her, you know, uh, because of her body. Like, have you ever heard of um, people talk about like uh, if they lived in the Pittsburgh area, everybody wanted to date the actress Kyra Shan? Who was the little girl in Night of the Living Dead? Pits- oh, okay. Pittsburgh actress. She's like the first zombie girl. Everybody wanted to date her back in the day. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so, Danny Sl- uh, Steinman, by the way, imagine just a porn director, and the, the, probably what you're imagining is what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> it's total sleazy, dude. Yep. So, mm. Dick Warlock was a stunt coordinator on uh, Friday Five. He served as a stunt coordinator. When it came time to recommend a stuntman to play the killer, Warlock had only one man in mind, Tom Morga. As a result of being killed off in the previous film, Jason Voorhees appeared in this only in dreams and hallucinations, but the killer is played the entire time by Tom Morga. Tom Morga is super fucking ugly. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a, like horse teeth. And yeah, what's with those teeth? He's like, he's like oh, come here, we're going to make you up to make Jason, and yeah. they like... <laughs> They take They're one done. hair out of his head. Done. Yeah. <laughs> they run. They did run. Say, did you say a barrette? <laughs> a what? <laughs> He's so ugly. His dentist only works on him over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, guys. I had to go back a little bit with Linda Blair. She she made she made this film a little after uh, Exorcist called Born Innocent. Yes, seen it. And from there on, I knew she was going to be a. Um, how could you say that? Uh, just a, a sex icon oh, yeah. uh, in, in her movies. Because, like I said, she made that prison movie. Uh, yeah, Caged Heat, right? Caged Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know everything Everything she did, she had, you know, you could see her boobs and all that. And she was, though, Sam. She was, uh, you know, she was the Adrian Barbeau of the late 70s, very early 80s. Yeah. Really? You know, yeah, she was yeah. she was known just for those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I was like in the beginning of that, she's like, yeah, she's got a, you know, you could tell it's really cold on set or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, yeah, oh, she yeah. she looks pretty good and stuff. And then like she actually gets naked, and I was like, eh, I've seen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what'd you say? I've seen Sorry. better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She was a stone cold fox back in the day. I, she I, she, I th- she used to party she was, too, man. She went out yeah. with uh, yeah, Rick, Rick Springfield and Rick James. Yeah. Damn. She was because Rick James was a huge cokehead, man. Oh yeah. Wow. Give it to me, babe. I'm not gonna say don't do that, Mike. Don't don't do that. I I love the boots he's wearing, the red uh, high boots he's wearing on the uh, that album cover. (laughs) (laughs) He was a freaky thing. That's hilarious. (laughs) Super freak. Super freak. The film opens several years after the death of Jason. A teenage Tommy Jarvis is tormented by nightmares, including the opening scene. A dream sequence where Jason rises from the grave and murders two locals as Tommy looks on in horror. And uh, for this whole thing, they were supposed to have uh, uh, 
what's his name? Corey Feldman returned like for the whole movie, mm-hmm. but they had to pivot on that because like he says like they say Steven Spielberg fucked up everything because they wanted him for Goonies and stuff. Yeah, and they bet, like I yeah bet. Steven Spielberg like once he signed him they wouldn't they wouldn't let him out of the contract. They wouldn't let him like you know film this on the weekends or whatever. they're like nah dude you're done with Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, so they kind of had an agreement where you know he would film the beginning of this and then they'll have someone else in there. Mm-hmm. Jason then turns to attack Corey Feldman, Tommy, but as he awakens, we meet present-day Tommy, who in the course of a year has grown from a young teenager into a fully mature 20-something-year-old that has been confined to a psychiatric institution. <laughs> that was just like, you know, over the... They released this movie like a year later, but... Um, this guy mo- looks like he's in his 30s. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? In the movie, yeah, in the movie, they, uh, they cut forward like, um, uh, like five years or something like that, so technically, like... This one is taking place in the future of 1989, mm. in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Yeah, but that's, that, that again, that's a great idea that they they had somebody that uh, had something a tragedy like that happen when they were a little kid, and then they show him growing up, and and now he's gonna look for Jason, or he's gonna be pissed off at him, or he's you know like like uh, like in Halloween when when uh, uh, the last the last Halloween movie when Jamie Lee Curtis was. Practicing how to use weapons. Yeah. Or body. I think that is such an awesome idea. But but I got to ask you guys. So Sammy, what do you? Who do you think just says, okay, we got to do another chapter. We got to do another one. Because what is there? Ten? The studio. Oh, yeah. Paramount. Is, is it Paramount? <laughs> yeah. Because oh, yeah. because outside of it's got to be their most successful franchise. Dude, I mean, outside Emily. of Fast and Furious, I can't think of any other movie that has had as many sequels as this. For Paramount? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't who does does Paramount own Fast and Furious? I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not sure, but but can you think, think of any Universal. other well, genre like that has company. as many parts as Friday the Thirteenth and, uh, and Fast uh, and Furious? Elm yes. Street and Halloween, Amityville Horror. Yeah, Amityville. I'm, not, I'm not joking with you. Texas there is there is thirty. I don't know the exact number, but there's like there's <laughs> there's an insane amount. There's like is, is there the Amityville than... House, the Amityville Asylum, yeah. the Amityville. Yeah, you know which which movie Farmhouse. has the like the most sequels out of anything. It's a it's. I mean, they're really bad. I want to say it's a film called Witchcraft. Oh, and, okay, I seen that. And yeah. I think uh, oh. maybe uh, the old Scream Queen Julie Strain was in those. There's like twenty. Seriously. 20 of those films. Oh, shit. But, but my question to you guys is... I don't think I've maybe only seen the, the first one, Witchcraft. Yeah. Or the Ouija board series. But but my question to both of you is... Two. Who, three. Who, who makes... Who's... I mean, is it the audience? Is it is it is it Paramount? Or is it actors? Who's going to say, hey, you know what? Let's do one more. These producers, man. Well, they, they see that... I mean, obviously, it's a big moneymaker. The movies are successful. Uh, you know, you're looking at box office sales. So if it makes sense to, you know, make more money, they're going to do it. Yeah. They're still trying to make more Friday 13th films to this day. Yeah, which are are on the works now. But, you know, when Sam and I talk or text, man, it's just something, always something stupid stops the filming. You know, outside of COVID, you know, it's production. Okay, well, Sean, release some of this. Well, can we bring this actor back? Can we bring this actor mm-hmm. back? You know, I mean, it's always something ridiculous stopping the filming. Yeah. Now I'm sure I'm I'm not even sure what the holdup is. I think there's something with like Victor Miller and someone else yes. because like it's, he it's says between that him he owns and, the rights. Uh, I think it's between him and and Sean Cunningham. There's mm. been this long ongoing feud about the rights. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. And again, we were talking about that because uh, I asked Mike, who who's the the father of uh, Friday Thirteenth series? Who's who gets the who gets the most out of it? And I'm talking money wise. And you said it was Paramount, right? Probably. They own they own all everything. But again, it's always money that oh, yeah. people fight over or 
you know, whatever, whatever. But it's you those two guys. That I gotta, are, I gotta think those guys in? probably gotta December. be pretty well off. But I think like the fans just end up hurting with that, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like exactly. instead of having, you know, another, we could have had another one or two of those movies in the oh, last. Yeah. I mean, how long? There, there, there were so many plans back in the day, so many different routes they wanted to take with Jason that just never came to fruition. They wanted to do Jason versus Freddy versus Ash. Yeah. I think they wanted to throw in Leatherface. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Really? Really Hellraiser. They wanted to, yeah. yeah, there's comics That'd out there cool. of yeah. it. I know. And, and uh, Pinhead. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of Pinheads. Um, and I do know, there. I, I know Robert Rodriguez uh, was talking about remaking Escape from New York. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, which I would just definitely be down for. L.A., was it good? No. But no. I'm such a fan. I had. I, I, I have to have it. And I had to watch it. Because um, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, um, you know, Snake Plissken fan, but I hope they do make a new uh, Escape from New York. I know uh, for a long time they were planning on doing. You know, when found footage movies were really big in the mid two thousands, they wanted to do a Friday Thirteenth found footage film, which mm. to me sounds cool. I think it'll be a great. You mean idea. you mean just shaky camera, Blair Witch style found okay, footage? Okay, okay, I could go back and forth about found footage. I mean, I don't mind it. Mm. Don't think it's that bad. I I, I I'm sorry, guys. I I, got, I enjoy. Oh, it. I can't. I can't. Like that. Um, Oh, what was that one series? Um, Especially when you think there's been some good ones that come out, and it's kind of been a way for like indie f- uh, filmmakers to make a movie on the cheap, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like instead of having a lot of people get motion sickness watching those. I, I just can't yeah. watch it, man. Um, there's been so many movies where the movies actually through somebody's camera. I, I'm sorry, I can't. Wreck uh, was a popular Spanish film, I think, or Mexican. What, what, what was yeah. that? What was that one where people were uh, in the ground and there was this big crab-like monster outside? Um, Oh, um, uh, Cloverfield. 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 Yes, I I tried watching it. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. I I turned it off after ten. I could not just sit there and watch through somebody's camera. Yeah. Grave Encounters was another one of them. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, Grave Encounters. Yeah, you know, there was two of those, right? You know, was a great one that was filmed during quarantine that I had Sal watch and he really loved was Host. Oh, that was awesome. Have you seen still that? Still haven't one? seen it Dude. yet. It is I'm really good. It's all, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, friends are, they're all just having a Zoom meeting or whatever like yeah. that over it, and they end up doing a, a Ouija board and shit. Oh, neat. There oh. was some crazy parts Mike, of that one. Yeah. You should see that. I do. There, there I was a part, it. and again, if you blink your eye, uh, I'm so many of my family members get mad at me because I say, watch this, watch it, and they think I'm interrupting them, but they're talking or going for something. No, you got to sit here and watch this because there's so many parts in that film yeah, if you miss that it, if you sneeze, yeah. you're going to miss it. Right. But that was probably probably uh, one of the scariest movies I've seen in a long time. Paranormal Activity. All those sequels? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't get into those. The, f- I can't the first get into couple those. were pretty good, I thought. Hmm. I like them. I don't know because it feels like something that happened to you. You know, when you move into a house or something yeah. like that, or something. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. do you, you ever see the VHS sequels? Yeah, those are I, cool. You know what? There was those two, I like. right, Mike? Three, three. I actually a friend of mine that I used to work with had me watch uh, those, and they, I loved them. Yeah, they did. It. They did. Um, VHS is the one where the two guys like pick that girl up from a bar and take yeah. her home, yeah. and yeah. she ends up. Yeah, I like it. they made a cool. They made an actual movie out of that yeah. called Siren. It's That's called really Siren. cool. Yeah, I didn't see that. That was cool. Yeah, okay, check it out. All right, but Mike. You have to watch that host. I know. I, I've wow. heard good things about it. Uh, wow. Netflix, you're you're really fucking things up, and uh, you're, you're just too slow. <laughs> Anyways, he is event. Uh, Jason, I'm sorry. Tommy Jarvis is eventually transferred to the Pinehurst Halfway House, managed by Doctor Matt Letter and his assistant Pam Roberts. There, Tommy meets a circle of other teens, including lovers Eddie Kelso and Tina McCarthy. 
the stutterer Jake Patterson, the goth Violet Moraine, the serious Robin Brown, the compulsive eater Joey Burns, and the young Reggie Winter, whose grandfather works as the facility's cook. Now, uh, Reggie Winter, played by Shavar Ross, by the way. He was also... Uh, Dudley! Yeah, yeah, you know, Dudley got We've talked about the bike <laughs> yeah. episode all the time right here, and I was wondering, in this episode... I mean, in, 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 the, in this part movie right here, I was wondering, do we got a bike shop part two going on here? Because there's a little part where he's looking a little suspicious, and he tells his grandfather, listen, don't kiss me when there's people around. <laughs> so he got diddled twice. Oh, come on. <laughs> Poor Dudley. <laughs> Poor Dudley. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So recently, when we attended Flashback Weekend Horror Movie Convention, there was a a Friday the 13th Part 5 reunion with uh, the actors that played uh, Ethel and Eddie. Oh, my God. No. Well, yeah, yeah. Ethel. Ethel Hubbard. It would have been better, though, if it was a mongoloid kid. Well, it was Junior. The neighbor, Ethel, and and her son, Junior, played by uh, this guy, Ron Sloan. And uh, Carol Locatell played uh, Ethel. The funniest line in this is when she answers the door and it's the homeless guy. She goes, oh, shit. Who the fuck are you? What the fuck do you want? She goes, go clean the shit out of the chicken coop. I love uh, also as she goes, you big dildo, eat your fucking slop. (laughs) Who makes the the best slop in the county? You do, Ma. You sure do, Ma. See, that'd be me with a big big ass bowl of Captain Crunch. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's so funny. You're she's dumb. Like, she's such like a comical, you know, a cartoonish figure in this movie. And yeah. like, you see her in the interviews, and she's like, "They made me say a lot of bad words." Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. How can, it's that's amazing. Like how you know such timid people like that can become so you know oh, cartoonish yeah. like that yes. for all. Like she was great. Go go back so, one, Sam. Go back one. <laughs> the, gr- <laughs> the group is disliked by their neighbor, Ethel Hubbard, as Eddie and Tina have made a habit of engaging in sexual intercourse on her property. For this reason, Matt forbids the group from venturing outside the facility's premises. Oh, uh, she comes up. She's like, I got a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a bomb. You come near me, I'll fucking blow everybody up. <laughs> Did you recognize the guy in the back? Uh, That's one of the dads he played in Varsity Blues. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Wow. That's Blues, right. Yeah. Okay. That guy's been in a couple different yeah, he's things in a couple now. Wow, yeah. since you pointed that out, I never noticed yeah. that before. He's funny. Huh. That's funny. Oh, dead lady gives the finger. Oh my god. Hilarious. What? Who? Now, who writes this line? You big dildo, eat your fucking slop. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they're all confined indoors, that's where our next incident happens. Uh oh, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Folks, we've been talking about this guy, calling him the wrong name. For a few episodes now, we finally got it right. It's Joey. <laughs> That's me in the seventies. <laughs> Joey, this this dude's got. They had got they fucked cross. us up, dude. This is only a porn director could can, uh, can handle a mental retardation case like this, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he puts chocolate all over his face and right. hands. <laughs> He's got the he's, he's, in his he's trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mr. Goodbar. I think it's a Mr. Goodbar. And he's think, trying to help out with the laundry. About his pocket. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I see it. I think it's a Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> he's just got chocolate everywhere, see dude. Now, it's yeah. all, see now again, again. He deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vic man. Faden, another patient in the institute, is gripped by a fit of madness caused by Joey's impertinence and br- brutally kills him with an axe leading to his arrest. The guy that played Vic, 
was also in Return of the Living Dead. Yes, yes, he was. He was the uh, had the famous line about uh, the punk outfit, the yeah. punk uniform. <laughs> this you is know, a lifestyle. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Oh man, you know what I saw? It was actually pretty sad. They said there was um in Crystal Lake Memories, the book. He they said he died at like thirty six. He was pretty like young, huh? yeah, like this super guy, this guy yeah, here, yeah, the super okay. fit dude who kills the dude with an axe. Yeah, he was like he got cancer or something. He was like wow. Yeah, big uh, bodybuilding dude look too. At but the thing, look at the chocolate all over his hands. <laughs> what's what's the chocolate <laughs> bar? Is it I a mounds a, bar? No, it's a Mr. Big bar. He's Mr. Big. You know what? One of I like it's so great when he when he gets killed with this too because he's like he gives this whole like uh, sympathetic speech and be, you, know? you know, Vic. Before I came here, I I never had anything to do. Maybe in an orphan and all. People always uh, tease me about sitting around like some kind of pig or something. But here it's different. I can I can help others and do a lot of things. <laughs> then he just gets whacked <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> yeah, but when that guy chopped him up with the axe and kept on hitting him, and the people are watching <laughs> horrified, I have to admit I'd be out there laughing my ass off. <laughs> I'd have my zag nut bar in there. Hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Cut man. down that mongoloid head. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, they had a wide shot of Vic coming towards the camera with the axe. Then the axe <laughs> bursting through Joey's back and blood spurting out all over. But the ratings board made them cut that down. That would have been fucking awesome just if you cut, they cut the, like a hole in his chest, you know, yeah. as he's pulling it out. <laughs> Poor Joey. Oh, boy. Well, what would have been better is after he chopped the kid up, he takes a bite out of his candy bar finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's got blood and brains all over it. <laughs> One of the paramedics that arrives, Roy Burns, is visibly shaken when they clean up Joey's mingled body. Well, here's where you're supposed to pay attention to what's going on in the film, folks. Because the actor Dick Wyand, <laughs> who plays he, Roy Burns, when he turns around there, he's like, <gasps> yeah. he starts freaking out when he sees Joey's body. Hint, hint. Well, you'll see. This is another um, what, many red herrings kind of we got in the movie. But look at it. He chopped off his arm. It's on top of his butt. <laughs> oh, yeah. How cool is that? That was amazing. That was played by um, Dick Wyland, by the way. Now, what Wieland? was he in? Wieland? What did he say? What, what was he in? Like? I think this is what he's known for. Yeah, he was at the convention too. There's not a lot of these people that have been in a ton of other stuff, yeah. like in these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very few. That evening, two greasers, Vinny and Pete, are murdered by an unseen assailant after their car breaks down. Vinny first with a lit road flare being showed, shoved down his throat. That was another one where they did uh, just a fake head and shoved a road flare in. It was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> The second in a scene reminiscent to the original Halloween in which Annie gets into her car and Michael appears from the back seat, strangling her and slitting her throat. Pete gets his throat slashed from a backseat assailant. Hell yeah. This is, um, some people also talk about these two being gay in this movie. Oh, they the said two they're like kind of the first gay characters to get killed in the really? whole movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not Buddies that. traveling on the road together? I mean, doesn't have to be. Who knows? But I, I also noticed in this scene, there's like, get your hand off my knee. Another, Mike. We say it's this, you know, another one of the. the you wish you're not my type, Sal. <laughs> it's another one of the sleaziest entries in the. I know they're like, as these guys are breaking down, like one of them goes to take a piss, and he tells the other guy, he's like, "Yo, man, those cunts aren't gonna wait for us all night." It's like, damn, dude, they fucking, oh, yeah. why do you gotta you gotta put cunt in there? You drop the c word. Oh yeah. <laughs> so now I gotta go and watch it. Oh, this guy. Look at this guy. Also that night, a cokehead picking up his waitress girlfriend gets an axe to the head. Now, 
this is a great like little funny things to pick up on. So the actor that played this guy was bald, and they made they brought in a, a fake head to put the axe through to it. But they were like, wait a minute, this uh this guy's got a this um a mannequin head has a full head of hair. So they had to take the mannequin head back and make a bald spot in it, uh, <laughs> just so it would match. <laughs> so they're like, actually, it was pretty nice. Like uh, I forget um. Uh, Tom Morgan in this movie is like, you know what? Pretty glad they did that because that came kind of gave me a target. To <laughs> <laughs> Bullseye. You could tell there's a little bit of like uh, psychopathy in these guys too because Tom Morgan's like, let me tell you something. When they put that head there and I got to swing an axe into it, it looks like a real person. I think, I think I'm actually hitting a real person with an axe. It's like, yeah, but getting uh, hit under your bald spot? Come on, man. Pick where I got some hair. I just think that's great, though. Like, they show the bald spot. He should have drew, like, a little little, little dark circle thing on his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a big red target, yeah. Uh-huh. So what a lot of people uh, may not know, Tom Morgan, and we've discussed this before, has played Leatherface and Michael Myers and Jason, of course, and amongst other you know, great stunt work that he's done over the years. I think we breezed past it a little bit, but um, a Dick Warlock was all, that's how they met on the scene of Halloween. It was Michael. Yeah. It was Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this guy's waitress girlfriend gets it with the ax as well. Yeah. She comes back. uh, She finds his drugs all over the ground. She goes to uh, take a little taste. Oh yeah. She does a line. I think (laughs) dude Ah, gets the ax to the gut. Yeah, and this is also a little special effects uh, thing in there, too, is they did this kind of the same way they did the axe from um, the last part, part four, where they just, like, pretty much made a mold and then stuck the axe in there and then put her dress, like, over the mold. Uh-huh. So they do, a, do that a lot with the axe kills in this. <laughs> the following morning, Tommy has another nightmare where he awakes and sees Jason in his room as his unstable mind playing tricks on him. That's right. He's popping pills and shit. Oh, yeah. It's all he's addicted. Got, he's got the bad nightmares. The sheriff hypothesizes... That Jason Voorhees has come back to life and is the perpetrator of these murders, while Tommy himself is rendered a suspicious party, possibly because his violent tendencies are escalating. That's right. He's got a knife. He's also- <laughs> and he's a karate guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's a bad guy. boy. He's a bad mother. That's right. We're also like he gets into fights, like at breakfast, where he flips a dude over. <laughs> he does like the, the wrestling move. Fireman carrying to a table. Uh, that night he also meets Ethel's son Junior, where he puts a whoop in him. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> this is funny where he does that thing too, where it's like he's, he's like punches. He also he falls down kicking him. That's a great fucking kick right there, dude. I wish I need to learn that kick, dude. Field goal kick. You fall down on your ass, too. <laughs> now, see, don't you think it would have been funnier if this guy on the ground here was brothers with the chocolate guy that got an egg? That would have been funny. And from inbreeding. Oh, God. <laughs> Tommy's a bad kung oh, fu man. master. Right Look there. at him. He kicks him in the nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's about to just fuck him up right when he stopped, though. <laughs> yeah. And then Junior goes home. They hurt me, Mom. I forgot. Why did he? Why did they fight? Why did they get in the fight? I forgot. Oh, uh, he was just picking on him. He was just picking like, he was on walking him. through town, and Junior just picked on him. Junior's just being a dick. Yeah. The next morning, Eddie and Tina disobediently go into the forest and have sex. Played by what? Deborah Voorhees. Yeah. <laughs> yum yum. Anyways, Ethel's new farmhand Raymond Joffroy is peeping on them, and when he is killed with a machete to the stomach before he can even get his zipper down. What a bummer, man. This man. guy has to clean shit out of the chicken coop oh, yeah. just, just for a meal. Then he can't even whack off to some what? teens in the Why forest. Why do perverts always have ripped shirts? Why is that? Because he's and, homeless. And, and That's they look why. dirty. I mean, why, why, you know, why can't a pervert be you know, just a normal guy and you know, plays with his pee-pee and then there you go? No, got to have he's in a horror in movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's got to be dirty. Right. Okay. 
So as you mentioned, uh, Tina, oh, played boy. by oh, Deborah hello. Voorhees, she was a Playboy playmate. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Wow. Yeah, or not a Playboy playmate, a Playboy bunny. Which I think is there. Oh, okay. Was there a difference? Well, I mean, well, playmates would have probably spreads in the magazine. Oh, she spread. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that, but this is an R-rated show. <laughs> she is well endowed, folks. What can I say? In one of the more iconic deaths of the series, Tina gets her eyes stabbed and then gouged out with head shears. Nice. Like the burning. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, and this was a while after the burning, too. So uh, Yeah, but then he closes it. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be a good slasher guy. After returning from washing off in the creek, Eddie finds that Tina has been murdered, and he soon beats the same fate. We're also talking about uh, Danny Steinman being totally sleazy. Um, the guy who's in this scene, who, who I forget the actor's name, but he's like, everybody always asks him, like, oh, man, that was awesome. Like, he had a love scene with a Playboy bunny and everything. That must have been awesome. And he's like, no, it fucking sucked. Like, first of all, there's 50 people standing around watching you. Second of all, like, Danny Steinman is ruining it for everybody because he's standing there going, fuck her harder. Fuck her harder. Make her tits jiggle. Squeeze her ass. Fuck her harder. And, like, there's people that were like, yeah, I was on the set that day. And, like, you know, I'm not a pruner or nothing. And I was like, damn, like, what the fuck? Oh, that's not good directing. Yeah. Also, in this dude's death scene, he gets, uh, like, a rope, uh, a belt wrapped around his eyeballs. And Jason's twisting it from the back with a... It, it, have you ever mo- noticed that he's moving it in two different directions as he's killing this dude? Yeah, I gotta yeah. see that. I never noticed that. <laughs> like it's counterclockwise and he goes. Yeah, clockwise. you start watching. He starts moving in one direction and then he goes the other direction as he's doing it. <laughs> they do a cool thing though, where they at the end of it they make the belt snap off, like break. Yeah. Would you see him? Yeah, and I was going the other direction here. <laughs> Movie mistake. That's great. But you know what they say? Like, if you notice that type of stuff, like, right away in the movie, like, that means you're not really engaged. Like, True. Something, at the end of this movie, actually, um, Melanie Kinnaman's character, she keeps having this sweater on, and it keeps, like, uh, you know, it's tied over her shoulders or whatever, and it keeps disappearing and then popping back on and disappearing. <laughs> I notice things like that in movies, I too. always notice stuff like it's that. Like, it's, like, it's like finding, like, uh, the boom peeking into the shot. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. Demon! Demon! Another guy from Return of the Living Dead. That's pretty Ricky. Right. This is my. This is probably my, one of my favorite characters out of the whole oh, yeah. whole thing. Meanwhile, Reggie begs his grandfather for a visit to his brother Demon, who has just returned to town. Played by Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Joanna Man. Oh yeah, that's him. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> and he's pretty Ricky. Pam and J- and Reggie enjoy some enchiladas with Demon and his girlfriend. But Demon gets the bubble guts and a severe case of <laughs> diarrhea from the enchiladas and runs to the outhouse. I love his little run Damn right here. Like if, you, <laughs> like if you imagine Rick James running to the, the outhouse, oh, yeah. like, and you know, too, like all those little chains and shit on his, uh, they're all jiggling. <laughs> and he starts singing to her. Ooh, baby, baby. Oh, hey, you okay? Damn enchiladas. How embarrassing would it be? Oh, you got this hot ass chick and you gotta take a shit. Hey. I mean, damn enchiladas. That would piss me off. Oh, this damn enchiladas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His jerry curl is like blowing in the wind. <laughs> he just, dude, that hair was dripping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had soul it's like glow soul on glow. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, doesn't the girlfriend get it with a horn? <laughs> like a, like a like a party horn. Doesn't I don't, she get it in a I think she just gets uh, she gets, uh like your throat. Uh, it's a it's like a not a spear, but it's like a uh, 
a road pike or something. Oh, I thought it was a party uh, horn or something like that. He sticks in their eye. Kind of like a wrought iron fence or something like that. So. Or very good. Mm. While Demon is taking care of business, someone starts shaking and banging on the outhouse right. walls. Thinking it's his girlfriend playing a joke, he opens the door to find her throat slashed corpse and get impaled by a spear. So it was a spear. There I like is. how he's like he's like she starts uh, or someone starts shaking the outhouse and he's like, okay, I told you this isn't funny. Now you're gonna get it, bitch. <laughs> so did he take a shit or not? I don't, yeah, I don't, he was, he was, I don't even know if he got to finish. Yeah, he was. In the, look at yeah, he's crying pretty good in this. Uh, so I don't know if he. <laughs> <he's> like, <laughs> that's what I always notice in this scene. He's got like tears like streaming out of his face, which is some pretty good acting, I think. <laughs> he's probably method acting. Yeah. This is who I'd be. I'd be. I'd have the bubble guts and get fucking stabbed in the shitter, dude. Upon Pam and Reggie's return to the Institute, they are warned of the disappearance of Matt and Reggie's grandfather. Pam goes to search for them, entrusting Reggie to Violet, Jake, and Robin. He's down at the bike shop. (laughs) 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 At this time, Ethel and Junior are killed. Junior is riding his motorcycle around the yard, crying (laughs) because he got beat up by Tommy after starting a fight with him. Ethel tells Junior to get off the bike and come eat her stew, but Junior gets decapitated instead. This was you guys talk about like you like to see other people get killed. I love to see Junior get killed because I hate it annoys me so much. I was just like, yeah! big big cleaver. To he the chopped head. off my head, Mama. They <laughs> hurt me more. Get a band aid. Uh, as Ethel is preparing the stew, a cleaver breaks through the window of the kitchen and splits her face in half. <laughs> I love her too. She's like, "You talk, Ugh. you dumb, you dumb." I'm telling you, Jason had a sense of humor. What did she have man. in there? Radishes? What Something was like it? That. Was like purple or pink? <laughs> I, we also get another uh, through the window kill in this too. Oh, yeah. I told you, he loves windows. Yep. Yeah, she had some radishes. She had, also, yeah, the scene is kind of uh, big where she has a tomato in her hand that oh, yeah, squeezes, she squeezes the tomato. <laughs> I think it's radishes, or maybe it's oh no, it's probably like uh, sweet Vidalia onion. I was gonna say purple it looked onion. like a shit stew. It was like radishes. <laughs> what is it? Radishes, cucumbers. Oh, but Junior loves it. Lettuce? Who puts lettuce in a fucking I don't know, stew? But I get the bubbles just thinking about it. <laughs> oh man, you're gonna get the bubble guys. Oh, dude, Junior had to have worse shits than Demon with that. <laughs> <laughs> His mother's stew versus enchiladas. That's why they were such assholes. They just had fucking upset stomachs the whole time. <laughs> Uh, the demon shits there you yeah. go oh here's this guy thinks he's from pretty in pink jake tries to have it. sex with robin who rejects him and goes to her room jake insulted cries and tries to talk to violet but is thwarted by the killer who kills him with a meat cleaver that's such a bummer in this movie this guy's like you know I, wait a minute I, he I, cries because he couldn't get any yeah it was well, like, was was like Sammy? oh my god yeah <laughs> She la- he's like, you know what? I think it's I really like us, you. Right? And she laughs right in his face. <laughs> That's another story, Mikey. <laughs> oh, my God. That's even worse. I mean, you, you get some, and then you get killed. That's bad. But getting rejected and then getting killed, that's got to suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's your fate in a Friday 13th. I know, show. right? Yeah. Robin gets naked and goes to bed. Top bunk, unknowingly crawling into bed with Jake's corpse. Which he finds before Jason shoves a machete through the mattress and into her body. Hell yeah, there's got to be one in every movie where we get through, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, through the mattress. Mattress death. Oh yeah. And another uh, another uh, meat cleaver to the face right there too, by the way. Oh yeah. Nice. Mm. 
This was another one, yeah, where she's like, this is like kind of a joke where she gets me, she's like, I guess I'm just going to get naked and get into bed now. Yeah. <laughs> she's like announcing it. I'm not going to have sex with you, but I am getting naked in my bedroom and I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, so she, he does get her into bed still. <laughs> See, that would piss me off. I'd give Jason the key. Here, go go kill this bitch. <laughs> so next we got not quite as entertaining as Crispin Glover. But oh, another great dancing. The goth dance. I don't remember this. this is, uh, the song is called um, His Eyes from Pseudo Echo. This is a, a fun little song. Little There's a man wave. with no life in his eyes. Hey, that's my dance. What is she doing? <laughs> It's like a uh, 80s goth uh, emo. Yeah, kind of a new wave new type wave. of chick. Yeah, Very new wave. Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Violet is murdered next by a machete to the stomach. But you know, by the way, you notice uh, right on the side there, there's a picture that's a, a book that says "Stop the Slaughter" <laughs> when he walks it. This is a cool scene. I kind of this is kind of like a Michael Myers esque uh, scene in here <laughs> when he comes in the room. Yeah. He's got blood all over his hands and stuff like that. She's still mm. dancing. Who is on the wall there? Is that the Eurythmics? I think I see Annie Lennox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else we got up what's there? What's his name? Uh, Don't stop. Talking. Rick Springfield. Oh. Annie Lennox. A Sphinx? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's definitely a rocker. She's got yeah. a bunch of shit up on the walls. So this is a pretty cool scene. It goes on for a little while, but it is shot pretty cool. There's like one part where Jason steps out and she's like, she shows up like in the frame, like right, be, uh, like kind of in an A-frame, you know, like uh, between his legs. I like that shot is pretty cool. Mm. Here it is right here. You can see that. Oh, but nice. it kind of leads a kind of a, a boring death. She's kind of just like stabbed in the stomach, which originally this one was way more gruesome Ooh. <laughs> yeah. you want to you guys want to describe what you're seeing right here? she got that's it, an axe wound she got oh it yeah the, she got it in the sure. vagina <laughs> oh, yeah. that's fucking horrific <laughs> that's uh that's a bloody mess for sure. yeah her death was envisioned to be much more gruesome and vulgar uh she's pretty much in, in the the original draft she was split apart with a machete between the legs Achi. jesus Ouch. <laughs> Reggie wakes up and finds the bodies of Robin, Violet, and Jake. Pam arrives and also sees the bodies. Pam and Reggie try to flee the house. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa, there's a bunch of white people. Dead yeah, in a bunch of dead white folks. <laughs> <laughs> there's a decent amount of good white folks killed. <laughs> Moments later, the killer seemingly resurrected Jason Voorhees bursts into the house. This is another thing. I wonder how... Well, we'll get into this in a minute because I don't want to give nothing away. <laughs> Pam and Reggie flee the halfway house and run through the woods. They come upon an ambulance finding the corpse of a paramedic, Roy Burns' partner. They also get split up running into the woods when the killer reappears. And Shavar Ross screams like a girl in this scene. It's great. <laughs> like, totally got diddled. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. As Pam runs back to the halfway house, she finds Matt's body pinned to a tree with a railroad spike through his forehead. Mm-hmm. Pam arrives back at the diner, and Reggie's grandfather comes crashing through the window, revealing he See has... See again! Another window! <laughs> he has had his eyes gouged out just like Tina earlier. Ever, there's got to be a scene in every single movie Does where Jason someone comes through the window. Does make money off of these people breaking windows? <laughs> That's why Sean Cunningham, he's got the trademark on window smash. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You can't go through a window in Hollywood without paying Sean Cunningham for that shit. <laughs> Falco. <laughs> I was going to say, does Jason work for Falco? 
<laughs> so that brings us to our final girl, played by Melanie Kinnaman. Uh, we just saw her at a uh, flashback weekend. Um, oh, I gotta admit, she, the way she was looking at me, I was not sure if she wanted to fuck me or fight me. I was like, <laughs> 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 she was, but I'll tell you what, though, at the end of this movie, I definitely like seeing her run around. She got a oh, nice yeah. bounce to her. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really wet in the end of this movie, and yes. she does not like bras. It's great. Right. <laughs> Yeah, she's a plastic surgery disaster. Oh, for sure. she looked horrible, dude. She looked great in this movie, though. Yeah, yeah she, she did. Oh, but she she had so much plastic surgery. I, I thought it was a dummy we were looking at, and it was actually a real person. Man. And Sammy goes, that's a chick from Friday the 13th. Like, oh, shit. She was like, wow. So I went, wow, look at this thing over here. It's really nice. And she went, excuse me? Went, ah! <laughs> it's talking. It's talking. <laughs> The killer chases Pam all the way to the barn, but Reggie saves her by ramming the killer with a tractor. Reggie to the rescue! That's right. And it's a, um, Tom Reggie Mor- the Reckless. Reggie the Reckless, that's his name, yeah. <laughs> okay, how did a little kid know how to drive a tractor? That's what I don't understand. Maybe his grandpappy. This is a little him. bit funny. <laughs> oh. Like, you know how they always uh, spoof, like, Christine, how it, it takes forever for him to get hit? Like, he's standing there like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Morgan said that was, like, his favorite stunt to do in the movie for some reason. I don't know yeah, why. He just kind of just goes, yeah, he just goes flying backwards. But he was super proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Pam and Reggie seek refuge inside the barn, where Pam fi- fends the killer off with a chainsaw. Tommy suddenly appears, fights the killer, and gets injured, but Tommy stabs the killer before passing out from his injuries. After a brief altercation, Reggie manages to knock the killer off of the loft. Yeah, she's a badass there, fighting Jason with the yeah, fucking chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Wet, brawless. I love it. <laughs> Reggie cheering her on. Tommy wakes and musters the strength to grab the killer's discarded machete and chops his hand off as the killer loses his grip and plummets down to the ground, landing on a tractor hero, impaling and killing him. Pam, Reggie, and Tommy all look over the edge of the barn loft to see that the killer's mask has fallen off, revealing the killer to be not Jason Voorhees, but the paramedic Roy Burns, Joey's father. At the hospital, the sheriff explains to Pam that Joey, the boy who was killed with an axe by Vic, was Roy's son, thus triggering Roy's seek for revenge. They should have. When he's impaled on the tractor spikes, uh-huh. they should have they put a fucking candy bar in his pocket. <laughs> 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 what kills me is you know he was embarrassed that that was his kid. Because if you guys remember, when the kid was dead laying there, all chopped up, he didn't say anything. No. I'd say, oh, my son. This guy sees no. the mongoloids sitting this, there. This guy, <laughs> with his eyes closed, he doesn't even look like Roy, uh, like who we saw earlier, the pyramid. doesn't even look like I him. know. He looks happy. He looks you know like what? That was actually, I think that's a face, ma- um, uh, like a mold of his face that they they put on there for some reason. So they can still have all, like the real spikes in there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why they did that. Nice. <laughs> It was only three short years before the release of A New Beginning in 1985 that Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, had decided to do away with Michael Myers in favor of an evil mask maker. Not surprisingly, fans didn't appreciate this attempt to alter the essence of the series. Nor did fans of the Friday the 13th series appreciate the fact that A New Beginning's killer was not Jason, but an ordinary paramedic gone mad after his son's murder. Yeah, so that's kind of an example of like... How Friday the 13th is kind of always on the heels of Halloween, you know? It kind of takes a sinister title. I think all those uh, the, the, all those slashers back in the day were chasing each other, like, competing. Yeah. Had no Ben. At the hospital, Tommy has another hallucination of Jason Voorhees. Later, Pam checks on Tommy, entering the room to see the window broken, as Tommy stands behind her wearing a hockey mask and raising a knife above Pam's head. That's right. So that was another thing that was uh, they were kind of leading the the next part that you know again Tommy is going to be the killer. 
And also they did, uh, if you notice in the movie, like in all the flashbacks, um, like the real quote Jason has, he has the red hockey mask, the marks on his right. hockey mask. Oh, that's right, yeah. New mask yeah. in this one. And every time in this movie there's, so, you know, uh, the killer quote unquote shows up, he's got the blue mask. Yeah. Just uh, something fun to watch there. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, high body count, 20. Oh, yeah. That's right. Probably that's the that's, that's a record. Series. Yeah, highest in the series so far, right? Way to go, Jason. <laughs> Despite a half-baked story and the lack of con- continuity, the film has some of the most inventive and gory killings since the original and managed to scare up $21.9 million at the box office. Yeah, so that's going to do it for uh, part five. You guys got any- anything else you want to bring up? Danny Steinman, the king of sleaze. Great job on that one. And I think, rest in peace? Yeah, he died. Is I think he? it said 2012 or something like that. Yeah. Yep. He died. Um, he killed four women, and they found him, and he killed himself. That's what? right. What? No shit. Holy no, I'm God. just joking. Oh, ah! <laughs> you see, you can see it though. Porn directors. Oh <laughs> Come on, you had my hopes up. No, I mean. <laughs> Damn. I didn't even have that planned. It just came out of the top of my head right there. <laughs> I love doing that about actor. Kind of like, you know, well, Matthew Broderick, he really did kill a woman you know, in, his, in his car. Like, really? Yeah, yeah he, uh, he crashed his car and a woman died. He, he was yeah. in Ireland. The big guy, the big heavy. Uh, the no, no, no. Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller. Oh, oh yeah. I'm thinking of um, Broderick Crawford. I'm he, sorry. He but was I, in a car with uh, Jennifer Grey, who played his sister in the film. They were dating in real life. And they were in Ireland. I think they were promoting Ferris mm. Bueller or, or something. Wait, I'm sorry. Who, who and who? Matthew, Matthew Broderick and, and Jennifer Grey. Okay, Jennifer Grey. Oh, they were, were really dating? In real life, oh, okay. Yeah. But they played brother and sister in Ferris Bueller. I like to do that sometimes about other uh, actors and actresses. You know, like Tom Cruise. Yeah, he killed seven people. But you <laughs> yeah. know, Scientology, Scientology got the case shut down, dude. <laughs> they covered it up. Well, anyway, I guess there was uh, a yeah big car accident and uh, wow. Unfortunately, someone died and uh, Broderick did not get charged. I don't think. No, no. How the accident. hell did he get away with that? I don't know, man. It, it, you could read about it. Yeah, I don't know if they died like on the scene. But they, I mean, or maybe they did, uh, but they... Uh, I don't know the specifics, but yeah, I know he was kind of responsible for that. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was. Yeah. So moving on to uh, part six, Jason Lives. I think this might be my favorite in the, maybe the series. Shout it's out to... Uh, one of the funnest. I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep talking. I'm sorry. Shout out to my buddy John McLaughlin. This is his favorite Friday the 13th film, part six. Nice. Well, shout out to John. <laughs> Similar taste here. Great minds yeah, think yeah. alike. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, um... The series could never deliver the unexpected gut punch to the cultural zeitgeist the way the first film did, but executives at Paramount still believe that the further exploits of Jason could remain fresh and vital, or at least Frank Mancuso Jr. hoped as much. Um, He still wanted to take risk with the series, however formulaic um, its requirements had become. Mancuso believed that, like Jason himself, Friday the 13th was never truly dead. It was only one hit away from reestablishing itself as the world's reigning champion of modern horror, and you would find a fresh, exuberant young director, one who could stick to the basic rule of the series while still having the freedom to put his own creative stamp on the material. There was just one marching order Mancuso would insist upon. Jason could not stay dead, and it was truly time for a resurrection. So, enter writer-director Tom McLaughlin, who ejected some well-received humor into the series. Um, he was a big Universal fan, so um, he wanted to not only make a horror movie, but also a satirical take on the slasher genre. Um, Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, would later quote this as an inspiration for his writing style. Um, the characters are constantly referencing Jason and making jokes about being murdered and about being in a horror movie. 
Um, there's also a Jason board game that the characters play at one point in here. Um, so it's kind of like a fun way of involving the fans here. Uh, you guys remember some of these gags in here? Yeah. Um, Tom McLaughlin made a really good horror movie in the early 80s called One Dark Night with mm. uh, E.G. Daly. Elizabeth okay. Daly. I think I've she's, seen it a long She's the time voice ago, of uh, Tommy on Rugrats. Okay. She's like a real petite uh, actress. Uh, she was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She played Dottie. Oh, and, all right. Uh, what else was she in? She was in uh, Devil's Rejects and 31. So you probably recognize oh, her if you've seen okay. her, but you would definitely recognize her voice. Yeah, now I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, she, she, was, uh, she was in One Dark Night, and that, yeah. that, in that movie, he used, I think, real corpses. She oh, was in shit. Valley Girl, too. She was in Valley Girl. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to, yeah, revisit that one a little later. Check that out. It's funny. Yeah, he puts a lot of funny stuff in here. Like, um, there's little kids that are, like, hiding under the bed or whatever, and the one asks the other one, like, so, what did you want to be when you were going to grow up? Or <laughs> something like that. Um, so, uh, there's also a lot of little tiny stuff. Like, uh, Sheriff Gareth, Garris was named uh, after director Mick Garris. Um, the town of Carpenter after John Carpenter. Um, there's a Cunningham Road for, you know, Sean Cunningham. Nice. Um, there's also plenty of references to the Universal classic films, such as uh, Karloff's General Market, um, and even um, how Jason is resurrected being uh, lifted from Frankenstein. <laughs> that was funny. I didn't notice that one until I watched uh, Crystal Lake Memories, where he goes uh, in the in the background of the one sign, it's, uh, you can see it says Karloff's General Store right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I never noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Very cool. So, yeah, I think Tom McLaughlin, he seems like an awesome dude. He's, mm. uh, you know, in all of his... in. Uh, all of his interviews and stuff, he's really uh, lively. He's really. He even says like he wrote this movie. Like he went to a graveyard and started building it. Oh wow! <laughs> or start building it. He started writing it there. But um, that's one of my favorite parts right there, where a little girl is uh, doing a little existential reading. Do you guys know uh, Jean-Paul Sartre? No, who is no. that? <laughs> so he's a French existentialist writer. Um, the book this little girl, this maybe seven-year-old girl, is reading. Um, it, no exit. It's a good. It's a great book. I've read it. Um, it's a play. Um, it begins with three characters who find themselves waiting in a mysterious room. Um, it's a depiction of the afterlife in which three deceased characters are punished by being locked into a room together for all of eternity. Um, it's the source of uh, Sartre's especially famous phrase, hell is other people, if you've ever heard that before. Um, it's kind of a reference to Sartre's idea um, about, about the look of perpetual metaphysical struggle of being caused to see oneself as an object from another's consciousness. We're getting He's, deep here, folks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little existential uh, stuff, but it's it's real interesting reading if you want to check. I just thought that was funny for a seven-year-old girl to be reading. <laughs> She's deep. <laughs> I didn't understand a damn word of that. Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so originally, Jason started off being played by stuntman Dad Bradley, um, but all Dan did was eat, apparently. He gained 40 pounds in a few weeks, enough that every day they had to take out his outfit. Um as all the dailies were coming back, Frank Mancuso Jr. was livid, um, so Dan was fired, and they brought in an ex-Marine named C.J. Graham to play the role of Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to happen in almost every single uh, Friday the 13th movie where the stuntman is replaced or oh. you know, left halfway through, something like that. Hmm. <laughs> that's got to be great. Like That's why they were mad. Is like They're like, what the fuck? We can't have a fat Jason running around. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's been eating healthily, yeah. Yeah, so the first guy, the first stuntman, uh, Dan Bradley, he shot all the, like, the paintball scene stuff oh, okay. in this movie, and then, um, <laughs> they, yeah, they moved on to uh, C.J. Graham took over for that. So in this one, Tommy Jarvis is played by Tom Matthews. Return of the Living Dead. Yes, I was about to say another <laughs> Return of the Living Dead alumni. 
Oh, this is one of my funniest scenes, my favorite scenes from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> when, they cut, when the mannequin yeah. comes back to life? Just James Karen is him screaming. Look at so that. funny, dude. <laughs> That's a good question, Bert. Fucking <laughs> funny. All right. Well, sometime after the events at Pineway, I'm sorry, Pinehurst Halfway House, um, Tommy Jarvis is released from the mental institution despite still having hallucinations of the mass murderer Jason Voorhees, whom he killed years ago. Um, he returns to Crystal Lake, now renamed Forest Green, to confront his fears alongside his friend Alan Hawes. Uh, the pair visit Jason's grave during a thunderstorm, hoping to cremate the killer's body and finally end Tommy's nightmares. Is that the actor that played Horshack? Yeah, yes, Rumpel. sir. Okay. <laughs> He's an idiot. How did he get... Ah, oh, you know, I'm Horshack. glad he killed him. I forget it. What is Horshack's real name? Arnold. Arnold? I've never watched well, a single episode of his Welcome last, Back, His Cotter. first name's Arnold. Arnold Horshack. I don't think I've ever seen Welcome Back, Cotter. It's horrible, man. You guys don't want it. John that. Travolta's in it, right? Yeah, sure he is, played yeah. Vinnie Barbarino. That's oh, yeah, right. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, after digging up Jason's corpse, Tommy experiences flashbacks of his last encounter with Jason and furiously impales his body with a metal fence post. Um, just as two lightning bolts strike the post, causing Jason to come back to life as an immortal revenant. Um, in folklore, a revenant is an animated corpse that is believed to have revived from death to haunt the living. And this is uh, this is a Frankenstein reference. This is like that's pretty right. much lifted directly from Frankenstein. Yeah. Which I, I love that scene, <laughs> it's man. Alive. They had the worms on there. Uh-huh. This is also, you know, we're talking about um, like the Universal classic. Now, Tom McLaughlin was a huge fan of those. I feel like the score in this one is also, uh, mm. it's very epic. It's very, it has a lot of horns, and it's kind of like. Um, did uh, Manfredini do this? Yes, Manfredini did it, and I know I, I haven't heard that you know he said anything about this, but I feel like it's very influenced by Franz Waxman, who did like you know Bride of Frankenstein. He was the composer for all those old Universal movies. It's great. Damn. Definitely check him out. So Jason proceeds to kill Hawes by punching through his chest, ripping his still-beating heart out in the process. A minute earlier, Hawes is telling Tommy that he wants to leave because, quote, his heart can't take any more of this. (laughs) So there's just like, yeah, there's little, little tiny things in there that make this movie, you know, funny. So then Jason throws on his old hockey match mask, which Tommy brought with him. And we get the James Bond intro here. <laughs> this is um, another thing that was pretty cool. They said they created like the blood coming out of here. The special effects guy, he just like filmed a trash bag uh, with milk in it, and then they just like because the milk was white, they were able to tint the the milk, you know, to make nice. it red like that. Nice, very cool effect. Yeah. So I mean, almost it looks like bad uh, CGI right there, but that's actually like a real practical effect that they how they did that. Yep. So, Tommy flees to the sheriff's office to warn the police of Jason's return, only to be arrested and jailed. Um, his warning of Jason's return goes unheeded by Sheriff Mike Garris, who is aware of Tommy's institutionalization and thinks he is hallucinating Jason's return. So, um, on the road, we get a, a second and third kills. Uh, camp counselors Darren Robinson and uh, Elizabeth Mock get lost looking for the Camp Forest Green and are stopped by Jason, who murders them both. This guy was in Ghost. Right. Tony Goldwyn. Yep. Tony Goldwyn. He's been in a bunch of stuff. I know he's like, he's, I think in recent years, he's pivoted to more of a director. Oh. And also the actress in this is uh, Tom McLaughlin's wife. Oh. I forget her name, but I think, uh, man, yeah, I, I think her name is like Sandy or Sam, something hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah. This is a pretty, um, I like how 
in this like when she gets killed he stabs her through the chest and her head is like under the water and you just see like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then they did you guys notice the uh uh the card that floats out of the water American Express. Yeah, that, that was a homage to what's his name. Don't leave home without it. They had to get a little humor in there. It was horrible. They did that. You know what? And we get another Velcro wallet. Just like <laughs> <laughs> we're still in the eighties. <laughs> but you know what? In this scene, actually, when Jason stabs the spear through the thing, they said in real life, like the stuntman almost impaled her. Are you like serious? yeah, there, like something. She, I think she moved like in a weird direction. She wasn't supposed to move a certain way, and the spike missed her by like just inches or something. Shit. Uh, Dumbass. So, the following morning, Garrus' daughter Megan and her friends Sissy Baker, Court Andrews, and Paula Mott uh, arrive to report Darren and Elizabeth missing. Uh, Tommy warns them about Jason, but as he's now considered an urban legend, they ignore the warnings. Then, in the woods, Jason happens upon a corporate paintball game. He kills all five members and crushes the first face into a tree and steals his machete. This is another one of those misogynistic guys, too, like where he's, he's walking through the woods. He's like, bitch, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, that guy deserved it, huh? <laughs> and also, like, in the paintballing scene, too, they're all wearing, um, like, every time a guy gets paintballed or something, they have to put on a headband that says dead. Kind of a little, you know, stupid foreshadowing there. The woman in the middle, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, she was in Caddyshack. Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh, so, three others are decapitated when Jason drops from a tree in front of them. The fourth is dismembered off-screen. Um, they kind of find his body, like, in little pieces throughout the movie. <laughs> um, Jason follows him, running him into the woods. Um, but in the process, he discovers that he now possesses superhuman strength as a result of his resurrection. <laughs> it's just really cool. That's a funny little scene there where uh, Jason's coming towards the dude, and the dude shoots him with a paintball, and uh, Jason just looks down he just at, looks it. at it. Yeah. It's like that was one of the things like CJ Graham did is make like a little, a lot of like little nuances to Jason's the personality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, that scene was actually supposed to be way more gory than it was. They originally storyboarded it so that like. He would do all three of their heads at once, and they would show like all three of the heads come off, Which and then would be they would, cool. yeah, they were gonna show like the bottom parts of their body too, or like the heads all come down, and then all their bodies just like crumple off. That have been dude. But yeah, you know, this was the thing that like they said that like as they were shooting it or whatever, there was someone from the rating boards there, like that was like nope, like we're not even gonna have that in there. So they pretty much shot it for no reason at all. You know, like what, what year was this one made? 86? 80, 86, 86, yeah. Oh. So, Garrus decides to escort Tommy out of town, um, out of his jurisdiction also, uh, due to his influence on Megan. Tommy tries to make a run for Jason's graves, but finds that caretaker had covered it up due to deny responsibility for being dug up. Um, Haw's body is buried in its place, as we know. Um, Tommy's then handcuffed and escorted out of town by Garrus, who warns him to never return. And we get that big ass, you know, this uh, this deputy is dying to use his mail order scope. That's what he says. This, the fucking scope is bigger than the entire gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that belongs on a rifle, not a fucking, uh, well, it could be a three three fifty seven, I guess. I love that. So that night, Jason murders the caretaker and the nearby couple who witnessed the murder. This is a... Can I say something here? Yeah. The caretaker, correct me if I'm wrong, he was in the Enter Sandman video by Metallica. Or, yeah, or was, was it, he? or was it Unforgiven? I want to say Ender Sandman. I was going to say, it's got to be Ender Sandman. Yeah, it, cool. I mean, it's it's pretty sure that's the same old guy. Really? Yeah. I did not know it. He <laughs> learned new things. <laughs> so that was a fun kill. But meanwhile, uh, Counselor Court goes to have sex with a girl named Nikki in an RV, but Jason kills them both. 
Uh, first, Nikki's dragged into the bathroom by Jason, where he rams her face through the side of an RV. <laughs> uh, this is a fun, like, when these two are hooking up in the RV, it's shaking back and forth. And there's a shot where Jason is in the woods, and he does, like, the little head turn. <laughs> He's like, what the hell is going on in there? If this van is the rocking, don't come a-knocking, Jason. Yep. Hell yeah. So this is another uh, little cool thing. Um, the character who plays Nikki was played by Darcy DeMoss. Um, she was actually up for the part that Deborah Voorhees plays in part five. Oh. Also up for that scene was um, Gina Gershon. No yeah. shit. Yeah, which is a weird thing. Love Gina. So now, now, she played in this movie called Can't Buy Me Love. Really? This oh, chick here, yeah. Okay. She was Damn. funny. So the way that they, uh, her face like goes through the side of an RV, it was pretty cool. They shot that like underwater, and it was just like a piece of plastic that they like draped over her face underwater. Wow. Kind of a weird thing. I think that's how they did like some of the Terminator stuff too, like with the. And I, and I think they did the a Nightmare on Elm Street too. Didn't yeah. They? The same kind of effect. Oh yeah, yeah. With yeah. the wall, was that yeah, under, that was wall. underwater? No, I'm just saying it. Just oh. it, it reminds me of the same kind of effect. Out. So then uh, Cord is stabbed in the head with a hunting knife as the RV crashes and flips over. Um, this is a pretty cool story. Like, you'll notice uh, on the top of there, watch on the top of the RV in this part, there's a, a cooler that's on top of the RV that goes flying off. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, what happened with, like, why that's in there is this was the... The RV crash was like the last day they were shooting. <laughs> there was this producer on the movie called Don Barons, this guy, and he's... Uh, he was like a notorious prick. Like, you know, they were just, um, you know, lowballing with money and stuff like that. Like, they would be like, yo, we need a crane because we want to do this big sweeping shot of us entering the the cemetery or something like that. And then they would show up to shoot it and they'd be like, hey, where's our crane? You know, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we don't, I don't got the budget for that. I'm not paying for a crane. You know, figure out some other way to do it. So at the end of this movie, this is the last, I'm sorry, this is the last thing they shot. And this motherfucker's like in the woods and he's showing off his like $5,000 swamp cooler, <laughs> telling everybody how cool it is. So they're like, man, fuck this motherfucker. He's telling us he doesn't have money for this, but then he's buying swamp coolers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they took it and put it on top of the RV. <laughs> and they're like, fuck your cooler, dude. <laughs> awesome. We also get uh, Jason standing on top of the RV there. That's a pretty cool thing. It's cool. all it was awesome, yeah. So Tommy contacts Megan and convinces her to uh, help lure Jason back into Crystal Lake. Meanwhile, Jason makes his way to the camp and kills both Sissy and Paula. That's when he does another like twist of the head, kind of like uh, Axel from uh, Part Four there. Oh yeah, yeah, the morgue attendant. By the way, um, I think her name is uh, Paula. I'm sorry. In this scene, yeah, this is a fun one where he like. They do a nice little tracking shot where Jason is following this chick behind her. I just, I like that shot. It's pretty fun. That is a good shot. Yeah, but after he murders her, they show, like, the, the room that he murders this girl in. <laughs> it, they went fucking insane. It looks like the, I've ever seen the photo of, like, that one victim of Jack the Ripper where he killed that woman in the room and, like, tore her body all apart. Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. This is gruesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Tommy and Megan are pulled over by Garrus, uh... Despite Megan's alibi that she was with Tommy, he doesn't believe him to be innocent and arrests him and goes to the camp to investigate. As Tommy and Megan develop a ruse to trick the watching deputy and escape, Jason kills two other deputies when they arrive at camp. Is that, uh, can we rewind that one? I want to see that who that actor is, the one on the right. Um, oh, on the right, sorry. Yeah, what is that actor's name? No, I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, he's like someone. <laughs> Yeah, but this is where we start to see, like, everybody's just firing, you know, emptying pistols and shit into Jason. Nothing stops them. Um, and that's the same with Garrus as well. After tripping over deputies' corpses, uh, putting up a pretty good fight against Jason that does nothing to keep him down, Garrus is killed. The, uh, he gets basically snapped in half. 
You can't overpower Jason. Especially no. when it was re- resurrected. No, but yeah, he goes pretty hard on Jason. He's yeah, he like does. hitting his head with a rock. He fires him with a, he hits him with a shotgun like ten times. It's a Kicks great him thing. in the stomach. Yeah. So that scene, actually, the ratings board said that was like one of the worst scenes in the movie. Everybody complained about that one. But for that death, they basically just dug a hole in the ground um, and had him stand upright while another guy was lying down, you know, like face down in the hole with his legs out of the hole. So when Jason breaks his back, basically all he does is like lift the actor out of the hole where the guy like lifts his legs up to look like, you know, he's being hurt. Yeah, Pretty cool effect. Yeah. But that was shot, uh, cut down huge, big time in there. Um so as Jason's about to kill Megan, Tommy calls out to him from the lake. He's like, hey, you pussy! <laughs> Fucking pussy! <laughs> so Jason, apparently remembering uh, his killer, Jason goes after Tommy instead. Tommy is attacked in a boat in the middle of the lake and ties a boulder around Jason's neck to trap him. Jason fights back, holding Tommy underwater long enough to seemingly drown him. This is weird. This was shot in, like from a lake, and then it was shot also like in a pool. Um, they also shot it like at a third location, I think on Tom McLaughlin's like dad's pool or something like that. Because <laughs> nice. yeah, they tried to do it in the, um, I think it was like UCLA swimming pool or something. And when they were about to uh, do the part with the the boat motor where it slices in the Jason's neck, they were like, "Yo, you're not like putting gallons of blood in our fucking <laughs> pool." And shit like that. <laughs> so our final girl in this one is um, played by Jennifer Cook. So good. She's um, not so much of a final girl in this. I don't know. This one really doesn't. She's kind of a final girl, but she doesn't do much well, fighting back. I'd say Tommy's the final guy. Yeah, pretty much. But um, Megan rushes out to save him, but is nearly killed when Jason grabs her leg. Uh, she turns around the boat's activated motor around on the Jason's neck and releases her. Um, and she takes Tommy back to shore and uses CPR to revive him. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, C.J. Graham was in this horror film where he's, it's like another dimension, and he's uh, like this unstoppable, uh, like, highway trooper. Uh, what the hell? Is it called Highway to Hell, I think? Oh, that's I, him? I think I know who you're oh, talking shit. about. Oh, yeah. Pretty highway sure to Hell has um, uh, Ben Swanson Stiller's, in? yeah. Kristen Swanson. Ben Stiller's got a little part in there, a little yeah. bit of part. It's got some cameos. But, yeah, yeah he's, he's the cop. Yeah, that's a really weird, that's another one of those, like, real goofy type it is. of, like, it's 80s silly. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I like um, on the bottom of the water. The Crystal Lake sign is at the bottom of the water. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Jerry Stiller's in that too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's like the cook in a diner or something. Right. Highway to hell. All right. So uh, Tommy says that it's finally over and that Jason is home under the water. Jason is soon to be still alive, albeit anchored to the bottom of the lake, waiting for another opportunity to return. He'll be back. That's right there. So this is a, another alternate ending that they they never really shot for this, but um, Tom McLaughlin originally wanted uh, Elias Voorhees to be introduced at the end here. Oh, okay. It was kind of in his original draft, uh, the caretaker at the beginning doesn't die. Um, instead, like at the end of the movie, he wanted to have like show the caretaker working on Jason's grave, and then. Um, like a mysterious, like Rasputin type character comes over and like you know gives him a little bit of money and is like, "Thanks for taking care of this." And you kind of find out like Jason is evil because of his. They make his father look real evil, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, so that would have been a good uh, thing well, to go off of. With Elias, I know that's what they're they're trying to work for. And one there's a, there was a script written not too long ago where yeah. you know it's all about Elias Voorhees. Mm-hmm. But um, you know that was uh, they scrapped it all because they didn't want to deal with it. Like they were thinking they were like. 
imagining that this was going to be the last Jason movie, and they were like, you know, we can't we, we can't like introduce a character and then either never show him up again, or that kind of pigeonholes us because then the next movie definitely has to be about Elias, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you got to admit, with Friday the 13th, they've never really done like an origin story, whereas mm-hmm. like Halloween has and Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, sooner or later, we'll probably see one. I kind of hope not. I don't really like... Uh, that's the worst yeah, you, part about Rob Zombie's know, things. Yeah, yeah. Do you need to know an origin story? All you need to know yeah. is that the guy's a crazy killer. Yeah. And then uh, that's what's entertaining. Yeah, because <laughs> if they do make it, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, unfortunately, the positive reviews didn't translate into box office success, and Jason Lives only grossed approximately $19 million, even less than a new beginning. But we get a body count of 18 in this one. And with that, uh, Good we're going to be uh, yeah, closing out our part two here. That was um, Friday the 13th, part six. We did uh, four through six in this episode. And um, we're going to do six through 12 in the next one. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. if it, Have you guys ever seen the series, the Friday the 13th series? Yeah. We should have brought that really? up because that came out in the 80s. Uh, yeah, but that didn't have Jason in it, It right? did not. It had nothing to do with the original. They, that was stupid. Why did you Jason do that? Why'd they do that then? Well, mm-hmm. they had a lot of anthology shows back then. They, you had Freddy's Nightmares. Mm-hmm. You did have Friday the 13th. Um, I think there was like Ray Bradbury Theater. There was uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Of oh, course, yeah. Tales from the Crypt. So there was a lot of... Uh, and Tom Those McGo- anthologies. I know Tom McLaughlin went on to do like some of the series, like three or four episodes in there. Oh, I saw, yeah, cool, it's pretty cool. Well, folks, don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify. If you go on Instagram, I think Sam's going to upload some pictures of uh, people I've met at conventions that were involved in the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. series. So be on the lookout for that. And you know, I think uh, maybe just to go out here, we, I forgot to bring it up, but uh, it's a good thing I remembered. Mike, uh, you were your friend of Alice Cooper's score from the Oh from yeah, Jason that's Lips. right, <laughs> the man behind the mask. Great Alice Cooper song. Uh, that should be the outro for the episode. Yeah, definitely. Like that. I love that song, man. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Like, Drop you know, the revisiting email. these. Yeah. What's the email? Um, I think it's last three rows podcast or. Yeah, last three rows podcast at gmail.com. Send but, us um, some emails. Send us some ideas, folks. We've got plenty of ideas for episodes, but we want to hear yours too. Yeah, on Instagram, you could it'd probably be the best way to yeah send us a message or something. Just let us know uh, yeah what you want to see for some episodes. We got a bunch of stuff planned, but we got stickers. You know, we would like to uh, maybe do some stuff that you yeah, guys would soon. like to see. Yeah, we got stickers. Yeah, shirts are coming. So this uh, is just getting bigger and bigger, folks. So thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. Meow. <laughs>